this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Won't talk to me. <laughs> Won't talk to me. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Fast Data with Films. How's it going? It's hey. going pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a special name for when Justin's not here. He's he's rarely not here. I think the last time he Justin saved. wasn't here was during the scores. No, the what was the director he wasn't here for? Oh, Kubrick. Kubrick. Yep, he missed the Kubrick. We'll have to. I'll come up with a clever name for it when it's just you and me. <laughs> but when it's not he you, it's Dave, his, it's Dave's not here, man. Dave's but. not here, man. <laughs> so we'll have he to. He cashed in all his uh, pay time his off. Sick time. His, mm-hmm. uh, well, he's not really sick. I think he's just not as familiar with this uh, subject matter we're going to talk about today. And he had to work a thirteen-hour shift yesterday. So, <laughs> so we were kindness out of our heart. <laughs> More happen off. So how how's your week been? Good. Pretty good, pretty good out here at the murder farm. <laughs> yeah, I know. You said how many chickens did you lose yesterday? Last night we lost three. Wow, that's crazy. Coyotes, huh? Yeah. Man, they're vicious. I see them once in a while out when I work at night, just walking the roads, looking mangy and like, Yeah, shitty. these are probably well fed. Yeah, well, they are now. You might have to see them. They're out in the sun right now. like Basking. Basking in the sun. Yeah, bastards. <laughs> that is stupid. You said you had how many at the beginning of the year? Just no, in September in, I had 23. You had 23, and now you're down to seven. seven. Wow, that's crazy. All coyotes. Yep. Coyotes. All killed all five of our roosters. Wow. That is crazy. That is murder farm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have that much excitement going on at my place. <laughs> We've just been... Uh, I don't think there was any uh, major new movie I watched. Man, it sucks. I really hate the time right after the Oscars. It really is like the dead spot when it comes to movies. For the next like two to three months, it's like garbage. That's, what, that's like yeah, the if you were Chris time. Elliott, you that would yeah. be a good time to come out with a movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, or yeah, a Polly Shore remake or something like that because... They really, everyone pushes for the summer movies, and then you've got that huge push for the horror movies at, uh, in the fall, and then all it's Oscar season from then on out until, like, January. Yeah. Then after that, there's nothing. There's, like, a sporadic. I think The Gentleman is out, and that's uh, going to be decent. This week, The Invisible Man comes out, and it might be interesting. Uh, I haven't who's heard. Playing? Uh, Elizabeth Moss is playing the. I don't know who's playing the Invisible. Oh yeah, yeah. Man. Okay, He's, I saw that's the one that's trailer. like terrorizing her and yeah. stuff. It looks interesting. Really, not until Mulan or uh, James Bond is going to be anything really good. Once James Bond hits at like April tenth, then stuff's going to really take off. Do you see that uh, Spielberg's not going to direct the Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones movie? Yeah. Uh, even better though, it's going to be. Uh, is it Mangold? I think it said James Mangold. I think so. Was he going to do it? And I'm fine with Spielberg not doing it. He did not prove himself worthy on the last one. So. Yeah. Sit back and count your money. <laughs> yeah, just count your money. You you know you're going to be there to put your flavor on it and everything. But Sometimes you get you know, stale in your stuff, man. That's the thing, it's man. Like, you, it needs somebody else to come in and do that type of thing. So I, I'm all for we, it. That's why we used to change bass players every <laughs> yeah. Every you were every like the year. Spinal Tap, yeah. Man. They just like blew up in stage. <laughs> there was yeah. There was Kevin, then there was Andy Lord, then there was Mike, then there was Andy Lord again, then there was and you had rotating ones. Then there was for a while Ed. There. Yep. Then there was Gary. Then there was Andy. <laughs> and there was who again. we could get. <laughs> and then that was it. The yeah, band's over, crazy. man. <laughs> wow. I also heard that uh, 
no time to uh no time to die it was a great quote i saw when they announced it to it uh no time to die is gonna be like two hours and 43 minutes well someone said man that sounds like that's plenty of time to die (laughs) (laughs) two hours and 43 minutes you can kill a lot of people (laughs) so yeah i think that's what's gonna agree great about it is we get to see like james that's got to be the longest james bond movie i don't think any of them even come close to that better be a good storyline yeah it looks like it is they're working in that uh that one chick as one of the other double o's and maybe she'll be uh replacing him if anything she'll just be a cool it's like a tester to see whether or not the audience shines to a that. lot of those old uh books had other double o's in yeah double o five double o seven they had them in some of the movies too but usually it was like he just found a dead body and it Newman was the Johnson. body <laughs> it was the body of double o five you know Yeoman Johnson. Yeah, Yeoman Johnson. They just they just <laughs> you throw even have a, a name tag. Yeah, they just threw another double O number on him. Yeah, and it was usually like I think in uh, View to a Kill, he found the microchip in his pocket, and they're just like, "Oh man, this is double O five. So that's one we get to see. And this one looks really good, though. So I'm excited about this. I'm excited. The uh, the movie theater might be stale right now, but the like Redbox. I finally found a great website because it's so hard. Every week I'm like, what the hell's coming out this week on Redbox? I found a great one. You would think you'd be able to find a great calendar on Redbox, but no. I had to go. Oh, that's it. <laughs> That's is a business person. That's a genius move. Let's yeah. make it really difficult for oh, people. Man, to their know. app is horrible. Horrible. It, it takes so long to. I actually, do you think they're trying to get people to go to the box like that might not otherwise if they look on there and see that there's not great stuff on there? Maybe, but the, their website should be awesome because you should be able to. I, I'm pretty sure you can reserve them, so you can just reserve it at the box down at Walgreens and you're yeah. down there and it's waiting for you and everything. But. Coming out just in March. This will tell you how good uh, March is for movies coming back out. And it, it's a lot of the award show ones are finally kind of uh, peeking through here. So March 3rd, Dark Waters, that's that Mark Ruffalo one where he goes into that town and he's he's the one defending like DuPont. And then he comes into oh, town okay, to help okay. uh, this one community who's all their cattle's dying and it's all yeah, because yeah. of DuPont and stuff they're doing. So that's going to be crazy. I wanted to see it in the theater. Never got to. Uh, March 10th, Uncut Gems and Bombshell come out. March 17th, that Jumanji sequel and Richard Jewell comes out. On uh, March 24th, 1917 comes out. And then on the 31st, Star Wars comes out. So it's going to be a crazy, crazy year. Uh, or a crazy month for uh, at least movies. I'm looking forward out. to that Bombshell yeah, bombshell. It sucks that I have to watch a whole two-hour movie about Fox News, but yeah, but it's not making them look good. So yeah, <laughs> at least it's showing the shady side and what the hell's it, going on. Is it or more of showing their ra- their sexism? Yeah, I think it's more the Roger her. Alias. Yeah. I think it's a lot of the Roger Alias stuff Ailes? towards uh, Roger Ailes. Is that it? I think so. Uh, towards Megan Kelly and then the other uh, woman uh, in there too. So it it'll be interesting. I've he's, seen several he's, people. He's an asshole. Oh, God, he's horrible. And it's weird seeing John Lithgow play him because John Lithgow's like notoriously a sweetheart, but he plays kind of assholes and everything. Uh, except for maybe Dexter season four. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty, uh, yeah. he was pretty horrific. Mom just that. started that. She was like, he oh, just I just, she's just four? like, I just started Dexter season four. I was like, oh, that is one of the best singles seasons of any series ever. So enjoy. Boy, it. She's getting her television on lately, I know, man. man. I mean, you, reti- she's, uh, you retire. That's what yeah. you have to do. I've been she's... sending her some movies. I have like a whole list of movie reviews that one she likes and one she doesn't like and everything. And she watched, she watches like one every afternoon. So I think she's watching God's Pocket today, which is another random movie no one knows about yeah. that everyone should go out and check out and see. I think it's Philip Seymour Hoffman's last flick that he ever did. But man, there was some very Quentin-esque stuff done in that movie. Very they crazy. Found 50 bags of heroin in his room. Who's this? Oh, uh, Hoffman. In Hoffman? Really? Yeah, 50 bags. That's crazy. I didn't know that. If you buy him 
by the fifty, it's a break. No, see, it's called the Sam's. It's called the bindle, or a, a brick is a hundred. A bindle is fifty. <laughs> I was. I only know this because the comedian was like, "If you're buying anything in brick form, drugs, dildos, <laughs> you're gonna die." <laughs> Mac and cheese. Yeah, anything in brick form, yeah. you're going to die. <laughs> oh, he was so great, too, at this jam. Uh, he's like, oh, you didn't think he he needed, that wasn't quite enough heroin. I need yeah. a little bit more heroin. <laughs> you don't want to have a long weekend come up and Jesus. realize your, your dealer's off on God. vacation. <laughs> I, I, I've never done heroin. No. I, I've had morphine in the hospital mm. for when I was in could there with see, the dog this bite. Is, this is I could see why people get addicted to this, or it didn't either. Ten seconds, I was out. Yeah, sleeping. Yeah, see, I don't like. So it's like I'm notorious like for not taking. Uh, I don't want painkillers. I don't want yeah. any of that stuff. It's, I don't like feeling loopy. I don't like feeling. I don't drink. It's uh, funny that much, I like so. to drink, but you know what it is for me? Drinking sort of turns my brain off at the end yeah. of the day. Mm-hmm. It's like. The switch. I got movies for that. So I don't have to... <laughs> yeah. I almost... My brain would be thinking too much. Really? Yeah. No, I have the ability to be able to turn that shit off. Chill? It, and, and, yeah, to chill. It annoys the hell out of my wife, too. <laughs> That's what... You <laughs> spent the last 25 years working only 20 hours a week, yeah. so you got lots of chill yeah, time. Yeah, You've I been practicing. <laughs> All right, but this week... This week's an exciting one, man, and uh, I've been waiting to do this for 127 episodes or so yeah. is uh, black and white films. Yeah. Uh, we haven't we don't do much other than a random flick here and there that might be from the 60s or the 50s and everything but uh, my list I've got you can take my I list. want to take your list for <laughs> you. Let's see if let's see if you know if you remember it. Yeah, I don't have the dates down for you. We have a um we don't have a good producer here. 48 is at least up. two of mine. Is what? Oh, two of yours. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to. Uh, I can randomly look some of yours up while you're t- uh, when you. We got time, man. Up. We we got we got time. We yeah. don't have Justin here. Justin's usually quick on the button with the uh, with yeah. the producer stuff. I'm, I've got it halfway out of my that's mouth. That's why he gets already. paid the extra. I know. That's why twenty five cents an hour. That's why he's. It's going to seem seriously docked on his paycheck this week when he when he grabs it. So sorry, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> producer money and uh, guest money. See ya. And <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we grew up watching some of these movies mainly because uh, not only because our parents watched them, but there were a lot of them were on during the day and stuff. Watched them. Grandparents watched them and everything. And there's a lot of fabulous black and white films. I know a lot of people ignore black and white films; they want to have anything to do with it. But not only do you get to see a lot of movies that have been remade from those black and whites, you get to see the original yeah. in kind of a whole different style. But you also get to see ones that you're like, holy crap, how has this not been remade? This is a really fantastic film. Someone needs to snatch this up because. I don't know why. If I, there's a lot of movies I don't understand why they remake. Uh, clearly, the ones from like the 80s and the 90s. I mean, come on, they just did these films. It yeah. hasn't been that long. I the vault is filled with like unbelievable amounts of black and white films. That I get because immediate you're like, well, you got people but, who aren't. Uh, same thing. But with here's remaking the thing. Like but here's the, the thing. We, we don't. They don't. The kids that they're making those movies for don't like our movies. What movies? So they remake a movie for this younger. Oh generation. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, some of them are. If they're good, I'm go. I'll go see them. There's a lot good, of. Those, I'll go see them. Yeah, there's a lot of remakes I like. Unfortunately, nostalgia is a, uh, a strong thing, and that if they uh, if they change what you grew up with, yeah. just too much. But you can always not watch it. Yeah. So. you never. You I'm, never don't have that old yeah. movie. I mean. That's why I am not surprised when they remake foreign films because a lot of people aren't gonna. Uh, yeah. 
subtitles. read the subtitles. Not going to read them. So when they came out with the girl with the dragon tattoo, I get it. I and I'm all for it because I have both versions, and that's a particular movie where both versions are mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, liked. Yeah, I liked both of them. I mean, I and I will. I own both of them, and I would watch both of them like interchangeably. I, there's so mm-hmm. much about both of those that I like. So. Someone picking up, and a lot of these are, I mean, we've got a couple on here that are like big, big award-winning kind of gems from the uh, back in the day, too. So if you were to remake it, you're going to get some slack, first of all, but mostly from a bunch of old people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about anyway. We, so. we grew up we grew up almost right in, the, in a really good time period. We oh, yeah. got exposed to some of those older movies, but special effects were just coming out, yeah. so we got to see, we've got to see what... The special effects, what they've become. Yeah. I mean, we started watching 70s. A lot of the movies we were watching early in the 80s were still 70s movies, and they were a different type of movie, especially the kids' movies where they were... You you think Bad News Bears and movies where they were still screaming and hitting kids and shit like that. It was crazy. You could hit a kid Uh, back then. uh, It's insane. You watch... uh, You could hit a woman back then If you some of these. If I had to recommend anyone to watch a movie that you could really see the difference between how kids or anyone was raised back in the day that that bad news bears movie oh yeah is filled with it <laughs> i mean he gives the kids beer he gives the kids movie. beer he's smacking the kids around he's sexually harassing people there's it's just a whole bunch of shit in that movie and it's a great movie but when you're a kid growing up even the 70s movies that didn't have that kind of delivery i loved stuff that movie it. growing up yeah i loved it oh, um but yeah, I say we start right out here, man. We work through some of these. We get to talk about what's great about this is because most of these actors are far been dead even Yay, be, even before funny. they. I got to kill a whole. <laughs> I got to kill a whole pod. <laughs> yeah, that, well, there still is some that are still alive, which is surprisingly so? shit. Yeah, I've looked up think, a couple of mine. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple really? of mine that are still alive, and I'm super surprised because uh, I mean they must have been young in these movies because what uh, you don't have your dates or I don't now. have my the, dates. The earliest forty eight is. I, I noticed 48 was two of them. Yeah. I have 41. I have a 48 on here. So uh, there's a lot of these movies from the 40s. And uh, like I said, we get to talk about a lot of these actors that that are some of the best actors that have ever acted, too. And uh, I'm going to get my phone because I want to look up some stuff. So yeah. You just keep the guests. I, I just, I just, I just, I just banter here for a little while. I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think all these movies I've owned, there are so many movies out there, and I'm constantly making lists about movies. Anytime I hear somebody say something about an old school black and white movie that I may not have heard, I, I'll write it down because eventually you'll come across it. Uh, and even one on your list you had not seen until like last week, right? And then you said it was fabulous. Two. Two of them, huh? That's awesome. Because, yeah, I've seen these. I needed to rewatch them because I don't rewatch these as much as I uh, probably should. But I've seen all these movies probably five times over the years, and I've loved them. So, yeah, tell us, tell me a little bit about uh, what your, what's your first movie you're going to pick right. there. My first movie is one I had seen several times okay. before. Um, Strangers on the Train. Ah, Strangers on a Train, man. Crisscross. Crisscross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, like a lot of modern movie fans, will obviously be familiar with Strangers on a Train from uh, Throw Mama from the Train. Which they basically 51. So they basically kind of uh, Throw Mama from the Train snatched the idea of Strangers on a Train. And why don't you tell us kind of the, the premise of that? Um let me really good actors the, yeah the uh farley granger was that's he the, from rope that's from rope yep, yeah he's, he's the guy from yeah. Rope. robert walker yep he's great too uh ruth roman 
And I think and the sister was great. That yeah. Patricia Hitchcock, is yeah, that his daughter? that's his daughter. She yeah. was awesome. Yeah, she's really good in that. She was yeah. awesome. She was yeah. one of my favorite characters. In she that was whole in thing. Uh, Psycho, also. Okay, so it's about this. I guess he's a, he's not a professional tennis player, but he's at like a high level amateur tennis. This is Granger, or the other Granger. One? Yeah, and uh, he's traveling between he's traveling between where he was for a match back to home. And uh, they show that he's having problems with his wife, but he's yeah. seeing some. They're, they're estranged. Yeah. But she won't give him a divorce. He wants to marry the senator's daughter, mm-hmm. who is played by Roman. The, uh, yeah. Ruth Roman. Um, well, this other guy obviously knew who he was. The um, Let me pull his name up again. The bad guy. The bad guy. He knew who he was. Wagner? Is it Wagner? Uh, no. well, yeah, Wagner. Yeah. Robert Wagner. Robert? No, not Robert. Walker. Sorry. Walker, sorry. Um, yeah, so he uh, he obviously knew a ton about him because he, like, he cornered him. He's like, hey, you're so-and-so. This was on the train? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I hear you having problems with your wife. And he's like, how would you know that? He's like, oh, I read the tabloids. Like, I guess yeah. he's enough of a minor celebrity. Mm-hmm. In his, that, and I know what Andre Agassi's doing. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that first 15 <laughs> minutes is uncomfortable to watch. Really? It's yeah. just like... You're like anxiety. Oh, really? Hitchcock is great. Oh man, he is creating that environment. That. Yeah, where you're like, what the hell? Are you you know, I knew I'd seen the movie before, and it's still giving me anxiety. Yeah. So he uh, he tells him this crazy plan, and then the guy and guys finally like, which left. seems genius. I yeah, mean, because like, oh, kind of- you want your wife gone, I want my dad gone. So you, we each take each other's murder, and he's like, but he's telling him in a joking way, yeah. almost. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's how you have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Because if you re- yeah, react around how bad. But, um, yeah, so he's telling him, and, and then the other guy's like, no, no, no. So they leave. Mm-hmm. Um, guy goes home. He, he visits the senator and the senator's daughter. He goes to visit his ex-wife to tell him, hey, I want a divorce. And yeah. she's, like, mocking him and calling him <laughs> names and, like, really, like, yeah. really, like, like this guy's deal sounds really good. Yeah, right Hitchcock now. was trying to create the environment where you're like, <laughs> yeah, he's gonna totally try to find this guy. So he leaves. All of a sudden, she goes off with two guys to the carnival. Mm-hmm. In that, yeah, it's a good scene. And Robert shows up. This on is them. a, and we should mention this throughout the whole uh, pod here is that they can do some amazing stuff with cinematography when you're when you're shooting in black and white back then. That absolutely, they, they can't do now, or uh, that's why a lot of people every once in a while you'll see someone come out with a black and white film just for this reason, so you can create that noir kind of really thriller look. Was Hitchcock was all and, black and white, or did he do no? Any he, he he got he got colorized. Yeah, he, he got, got color. colorized or he filmed in color. No, he filmed in color about the time where it got to. Like uh, the birds, there's probably more of his movies that really? are color than uh, not. When you when you think the uh, the man who knew too much and the trouble with Harry and uh, uh, even Vertigo was completely uh, colorized. Yeah, that's funny. I own them all. I think I own all but maybe like one or two, and they're like the really random ones. Uh, but yeah, they're all good. And any of those could have been on here. But yeah, the scene you're about to tell, like just looking at shadows, and he shot it through like a pair of glasses at one point, didn't he? Because she had trouble seeing. That's right. So and yeah, so tell us what happened. So he's actually going after. So he goes and tracks down and and sort of flirts with with the girl with Granger's kind of wife, ex wife, yeah. or not soon to be. ex-wife. But he doesn't even know that he's <laughs> that this plan has been enacted no, already he's like, he's like i'm gonna do it and yeah then, he doesn't know at all yeah and then you know he, when he finds out yeah the guy shows up he's like okay it's your turn he's like you're crazy that's when he should have went to the cops yeah like right i now. mean he had the opportunity yeah, to, yeah yeah but the cool thing was 
I forgot the first time watching it what happened to him. Mm. So basically, he ta- the Robert uh, taunts him for like thirty minutes of the movie. Uh-huh. He shows up at the tennis club. That's right. He shows up at the dinner party. Remember, and he chokes that yeah. one lady, yeah. and like had, goes into a weird kind of fit because he saw the senator's daughter Hitchcock's yeah. daughter. He saw her, and she looked almost exactly. In fact, I had to go back and look to see if they weren't the same actress. They might have. That would be a good they, Hitchcock. They didn't let. No, they had the other girl. They had a different oh, okay. name, so I think. But yeah. they looked exactly the same. Same glasses. Mm-hmm. So that's like he freaked out. Yeah, and he's like, I killed that one already. <laughs> so he's unstable. So he's unstable. Is. So what happens at that point is they send him home. The wife, or the soon-to-be wife, the mm-hmm. senator's daughter. Um, not Hitchcock's yeah. daughter, but the senator's daughter. She, she's like something's going on. Yeah. So she confronts him, and he's like, he, she's like, he killed her, right? And he's like, yeah. And he's been taunting me with it. So he comes clean, <laughs> so he completely, comes completely clean. And uh, they, they try to, they have this, this. So at this point, the police are on to the tennis player guy. Mm-hmm. They're, they, but he hasn't done anything at this point. He hasn't he? done anything yeah. at this point. But he's missing his lighter. The other guy has it. Yeah. And so the other guy's just waiting for him to kill his dad. He sends him a letter with the key taped. I mean, he had enough evidence to go to the. Yeah. And uh, so he he doesn't do it. So the other guy says, I'm going to go put the lighter back at the scene of the crime. And then they're going to find out that you were there and you're going to go to prison. Yeah. And so they, for some reason, the cops didn't arrest Guy right away. They let him play his last tennis match. <laughs> but then the family kind of ran like a blocker so that he could escape mm-hmm. and run. And the scene at the end was great. Hitchcock always had these scenes that kind of... You, we we could probably spoil these. If, if yeah. there's any yeah. uh, if so, there's any a pod we can spoil so be he's these going, old ones. He's going back to the to the carnival to put the thing down there. And when uh, Robert's waiting in line to get on the merry-go-round where he killed the mm-hmm. wife, uh, the operator's like, the cops come over to the operator. He's like, tell me if you see this guy. And he's like, there he is right there. Who? Because they knew a guy looked like him. And he says, no, he points to Robert. He's like, no, that's the guy. Yeah. So guy gets on the Ferris wheel. The cop, this is the funniest part of the whole movie. The, the tennis player, the main star of the show, is running towards the Ferris wheel to get on. The mm-hmm. cop pulls his gun out and shoots at him <laughs> at a crowded carnival oh in a, like, kids going around the merry-go-round, shoots and kills Cops the, are perfect shots shoots back then. and kills the operator. Oh, what the hell? And oh, yeah, I remember this. He falls over yeah, yeah. onto the wheel, and then it starts spinning the, the <laughs> like thing like a million like. miles an hour. And that added to the whole thing. They do have weird And the great shadows too, yeah. and the black and white, like was punctuated by flashing lights mm-hmm. and he did a really good job yeah it's it's crazy how like you said the cops they they won't they don't miss back in the day no. <laughs> and they don't give a shit about background or what the hell they're shooting at <laughs> and they got to do that punch move you know where they like well i mean they've got to yeah. move the gun <laughs> I, I mean i probably thought that's how you did it back yeah. in the day when i was growing up uh, yeah hitchcock's the best at it, man i'm surprised i don't have a hitchcock on here there's so many other uh ones i can put because we'll, we'll it's definitely, almost too easy to put yeah i mean we'll uh, we'll obviously do a complete hitchcock uh pop because i could have did days. psycho pretty yeah easy. psycho could have been easy any of them really uh rope for sure but i think rope was colorized um or or it must have been colorized not originally though because i'm pretty sure that movie was like in the 40s also and i'm not sure when then again when did colorization start uh justin Justin, come on man uh (laughs) because wizard of oz was colorized 
uh, for sure. But, and that was 38, yeah. right? But, All right, I'm going to go into mine, and this is going to be the latest movie I have on, or, uh, yeah, the latest movie on my list was 1960 here. And this was a fabulous, fabulous horror movie, and this is actually one of my wife's favorite movies of all time. Really? And she kept it on our DVR uh she kept it on her DVR. It was it was playing at Halloween time, and she put it on there, and she kept it on there for like seven months. I said, "You ever gonna get rid of that?" She's like, "No, I want it for next Halloween." I said, "I will buy the DVD." I said, "If we can remove it from the uh, from the DVR, it's taking up too much damn space." And she she finally conceded and did it, and I bought the uh, DVD, which I thought I already had anyways. But uh, this was a movie that I loved growing up. It was the scariest movie my aunt had ever seen my father used to kind of torment her with it and this this was 1960s 13 ghosts oh really Uh, do you remember 13 ghosts Uh -uh. at all man and christina remembers it really well i was surprised and uh it's really really fun and cheesy and it has a great mix of it was a william castle um movie and he would was kind of like a Roger Corman-esque type of guy. But if you look up, and they did do a remake of this, and I thought it was garbage. I saw it in the theater. I didn't much care for it. But then my cousin recently said, man, you should rewatch it. And he says, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And my cousin loves the original. Who is the star uh, in the original? Matt, uh, in the original? Nobody, the, really. Nobody you would recognize. The one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the one now. I'm talking about. There's one guy in it that I know is from the Sweet Smell of Success as what, the guy that they were framing with the, uh, the pot, the boyfriend. But other than that, I didn't recognize anybody in the... Uh, in the original uh in the remake it had uh tony shalhoub and matthew lillard and there was a whole bunch of people in it and they had to do you if you saw the original you would have to completely change the story because it's kind of a weird story so it's this down and out family that doesn't have much and they inherit this house from uh, a relative and it comes with these a weird box that has (laughs) these crazy glasses in it and when you're in the house and you put the glasses on, you can see the ghosts, and there's 13 of them, and they show different, uh, they show them in they different places. They interact with the people. And they, they'll interact with the people, but you can't really see them until you put the uh, the glasses on, and then they react to it, and they're scared shitless. And on the surface, the monsters look like something that was projected at the Haunted Mansion. You know, when you, oh, go, yeah, walk, yeah, when you yeah. go on that ride in the Haunted yeah, Mansion, it's projected like, and everything, and uh, it, real cheesy done, but when you look at it, you can tell that the actors that they're projecting on the screen are wearing some of the craziest craziest twilight zone-esque masks with like twisted mouths and huge eyes and everything and i was like these masks are incredible i could see how kids would be scared shitless of it just from what how that looks and um plus there wasn't much yeah in the realm of horror oh yeah apparently my uh i told you my aunt uh, Cheryl, she was scared to death of this movie. So when my my dad would would put it on television or something like that, when she knew she was coming over and everything, give her. And this was an adult; she couldn't watch it. She would leave the room. Was he was like, a real jerk. Where <laughs> <laughs> he just had a whacked out uh, kind of uh, sense of humor. Who tells their kid that they won the lottery? Yeah, yeah, or, or torments their sister with uh, that type of stuff. So yeah, he's a sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys are living there, and they realize what's going on. But another thing that's going on is the guy that lived there apparently. Apparently, he hid money in the house. Nice. And you have this shady lawyer that seems like he's the sweet guy, and he was the guy that was from Sweet Smell of Success. And he ends up, like, really starting this uh, kind of friendship with the little, like, 10-year-old boy in the uh, in the house. And he even tells him, he's like, he's like uh, the little kid finds, like, it was like a bill that they couldn't have even had there. So it was probably a $100 bill or something. He finds it on the ground. And he's like... He's like, I'm going to tell you a secret. There's money hidden in this house. He says, we should find it 
and we're going to present it to your parents at the same time. I bet he doesn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and this kid's like, wow, that's a genius idea. He says, don't tell your parents. This will be our secret, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I remember rewatching it with my wife, and I was like, this guy's got pedophile written all over him. He says, don't tell your parents this secret. Come into the closet with me. We'll, we'll talk about it. And that's exactly what happened. And... Uh, so the kid's looking for the money, the whole thing, the ghosts are popping up. It's really cool uh, every time you see the ghost. Like I said, this specific type of ghost is one that's like always in the kitchen and he doesn't have his head. Oh, no, the uh, he's he's in the kitchen and he has like a uh, kind of a, uh, what is it, uh, around his chest? Apron. apron. He's got an apron around his uh uh, chest he's got a cleaver and he's got two people that have been cut next to him that are also screaming you have a lion tamer in it and he's got no head and the lion's right next to him i, bet so, I know what happened says, so there you go uh, <laughs> so this, the, the ghosts are cool and at the very beginning of the movie uh too and i, I kind of think that this was done in like early 3d too like if you had glasses back when this era that it might actually have been in really? 3d i have that feeling because they called they it had they called it some sort of vision and, uh, yeah it was something like that and when the movie uh opened up it showed the ghost and it had the number one and two and they were always looking they didn't know who the 13th ghost was type of thing but it was a really great scene where the kid it's part comedy uh, no i don't think it's meant to be it's not <laughs> i mean it is now watching back because it's, it's got a lot of cheese in it it's william castle so he's not uh, he's kind of known for his like schlocky kind of horror uh, movies and stuff but there's a great scene where the kid's going down the banister, and then you see money pumping out uh, of the side of it, and you realize, ah, oh, going down to the banister, sliding down the banister the way the kid does is triggering the money coming out. So the money's hidden in like the size of it and, and everything. And it has some of these great scenes where the uh, like the father or even the uh, the asshole lawyer at some point they're in like this room and they have the glasses on and they're like. You could tell that they're acting to absolutely nothing, and their face is so scared, and they're looking at the thing, and they can't even move, and they put their hands in front of them, and I was like, why doesn't he just step out of the room or take the glasses off? <laughs> <laughs> and they don't do it, and you can see that they t- the ghost will eventually end up taking that kind of creepy-ass lawyer uh, with them, and uh, he ends up becoming like the 13th ghost. And... Uh, and the family who has been poor the whole movie gets the money and uh you know it's fun uh, it's a weird movie that i'm surprised that they even remade it because the remake was completely different that was the one so tony shalhoub had like this epic epic house that was almost like uh had elevators like cube style inside mm-hmm. the house and he's got 13 ghosts that were trapped almost similar to like cabin in the woods style and uh he was very eccentric and millionaire and if you spend the night weekend in my house and everything you'll get a certain amount of money or a million dollars or something like that so i'll revisit it i'll try it but like i said some of these some of these it's a clear-cut winner of who obviously the original is better it's not going to be remade and then there's other ones where yeah it was cheesy enough that you could remake it and make it a little better i'm all about just just changing it and altering it i mean because what they did with uh, on the surface throw mama from the train was one of the funniest comedies of the 80s but what they were able to accomplish there is a remake of strangers on yeah, the train of course. without actually having to call it strangers on a train or i mean they mentioned it they in the use film, the clip and they use the clip and they watch the thing where he's watching the thing but that is a really clever way of redoing the story without actually having to like even mess with the name so it's almost like what they did with uh, was it dream warriors when the cast came back as the cast Oh, the new nightmare. New nightmare. Yeah, the new nightmare yeah. is brilliant. Even with uh, uh, Invisible Man, what they're doing now, putting the Invisible the Brewster's Man, Million uh, twist. And what? Oh, the and what? The Brewster's Millions twist. Oh yeah, they do have that kind of thing in there. If you you will get this amount of money if you don't 
go crazy or whatever it was on that. I don't know. All right, what do you got, Finn? You next All guy. Right. This movie was remade twice. Hmm. It's weird. Some movies I've, I've found movies like if you think of those mummy movies, those movies have been made, remade. Like, uh, my last one's probably been made ten times. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but this one is it, it has it had a different name the first time. It okay. was called A Thing from Another World. Yes. So remake one of your favorite movies of absolutely. all time, right? It's, it's definitely on my top ten, top twenty movies of all time. John Carpenter's The Thing. And he, he said right out, he says this was a movie that was huge for him in his childhood, and he always wanted to do it, and talk about taking a movie and making it better and taking it to the next level. But not that this original this was... This one was, was really good. Yeah, not that it was I bad in, it. in any way whatsoever, but what they were <clears> able <throat> to accomplish with that, uh, with the John Carpenter version, uh, yeah. as far as horror and sci-fi blending those this two This was together. not scary. Th- this was more sci-fi? This was more sci-fi. Yeah. And the, there really wasn't much. Yeah, there were a lot of sci-fi's ho- back in the day that weren't scary. I mean, they had elements yeah. of fear and danger involved in them, like the uh, the day the Earth stood still or something like that. Yep. But this definitely did not. I haven't seen this in forever. She so have to help. They me did out. some. They had some cool shots with. Uh, they threw. They flew that that C C one thirty sled plane. Oh, okay. They did a bunch of stuff with that plane. That's crazy. Was uh, the majority of this in like a one location once they started uh, getting Yeah, so so the the military guys fly up to Alaska to where the base is because the the scientists got a seismic reaction from from about 30 miles away. Okay. So when they landed in and this is 51 by the 51, way. 51, yeah. I'm so when they now. when they landed in, so when they landed in in the Anchorage, they got the sled team together and they or the, yeah they got the they took the plane up and they found a flying saucer had crashed mm-hmm. and for what for what reason I have no idea they uh, they're like how are we gonna get it out of the ice let's blow it up out of the ice yeah so they set up a bunch of charges yeah, I mean that's what they did in the other one. Yeah, yep. and as long as they're far enough away, I guess you can. No, I know, but they blew the ship up. Oh, they blew the ship up too. They lost the ship. <laughs> we're we're not real good at this. Yeah, thing, yeah. demolition stuff. And here. so, <laughs> but they were able to. They thought they saw a guy that was thrown from the oh from the wreckage. Yeah, from the wreckage, and he was encased in ice. Yeah. So they said, "Well, we can't blow the ice up here." So they they just pickaxed a huge chunk. chunk. Of ice. So that's like I mean, yeah. So far, I mean, that's yeah. straight Took up. Took it back to the. Yeah. Took it back to the place, and uh, the here's where the different. So I'm skipping. I'm getting ahead of myself. They they post guards in this one room mm-hmm. with a block of ice. Yeah, and one of the idiot soldiers. <laughs> what don't you want to do if you're guarding a block of ice? <laughs> Let's put the heating blanket <laughs> on top of the ice and then turn my back for two hours <laughs> while the thing melts. Uh. You take so it. It's a big. Have you not seen in seven, Man? <laughs> seven foot tall monster. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a man, sort mm-hmm. of like hairless, and uh, he shoots it three or four times, and it doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes it. At one point, they cut its arm off. Oh wow! So they have a tissue sample. So then, the cool thing about this movie, it had two elements. One, it had an evil scientist. I could say evil, but it had a scientist that yeah. was like. This is the biggest discovery. We can't just There's kill it. There's always that guy. Yeah. You know? So there was a tension between, like, don't kill it. Yeah. I want to examine it. And the, the army 
guys were like, yeah. we're going to kill this thing. So Even he, back in 1951, James Cameron has made a career off of those types of scientists. Yeah. 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 I mean, you think all his movies, he's yeah. he's always got that scientist that wants to push the edge. I mean, that aliens, yeah. that whole premise, they wanted to keep the alien yeah. alive. They, I mean, they wanted I mean, to study it. What it was. Yep. So the other cool element about this movie that they didn't do in the other movies is that the being was a was made up of vegetable matter. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. It was a. It was and the, and everybody was mocking the scientist. She's like, they're saying this. We're chasing a giant living carrot around or something. <laughs> yeah. And like, he's like, no, it's just a highly evolved vegetable. Yeah. And. Uh, and it's pissed it, off. Yeah, but it was <laughs> using the blood from the dogs. It killed a couple dogs. Oh, the dogs were an element in the movie, too? Uh, sort more. of that they were there. Yeah. That they didn't turn into anything. No, I mean, Rob Bottin and the uh, the special effects people went crazy. Yeah. Thing. But what you'd find out is, so while they're trying, while the army men are chasing this thing around, this doctor planted all the tissue and was growing oh, more, more of these of things. That's interesting. In the lab. Huh. And uh, how big did they get? They didn't get. Very, they didn't even get out of the pod. Was you, it like an open ended thing where they they could possibly? Go no, I think the, I think the army guys came in and destroyed, destroyed it all. Destroyed all of it. And then uh, they set up a, an elaborate trap to catch this main monster. And uh, they they like electrified the ground. Oh, nice! And lured him through the thing and through the switch and. So it's a different enough movie. I mean, it's got some similar premises in it, but it's a completely different Completely movie. different. They yeah. didn't take over other people's bodies. Like I mean, and John that was Coffin's. the element that was which... Great. And that's what you do when you're remaking something really well, too. You know, you take that premise, but then you tweak it a little bit and put that element in there, and there was nothing better than not knowing uh, who the yeah. bad guy is, you know, that it could be anyone that could take over anything. I mean, that was, that was creepy. Uh, that one, the new, or the newer... I guess there has been one after that, the thing remake. But the 1982, I think it is, John Carpenter version, that holds up. Holds oh, yeah. up like a mm-hmm. motherfucker, man. Even the special uh, effects. Dude. Special effects, the horror, he the was nastiness. The, I mean, that guy was the I dude. Mean, he became... Who, Rob Bottin? The, uh, the special effects the special guy? Special yeah, oh, yeah, guy, yeah. Dude. That was like one of his stuff. I mean, he... He started doing it, I think, with The Howling, and he was really good. He was young, too. I think he was like 19 or 20. I think he 20. won something with The Howling. Uh, he might have. Uh, I'm sure he did for a lot of the different stuff he did. Uh, but I knew he was he was that young go-getter who was kind of difficult to work with, but everyone saw how genius his work was, so they weren't giving him shit, and they were just letting him do his thing. And I think similar to how Tom Savini kind of honed his craft through a lot of movies, and then if you watch Friday 13th Part 4, you'll see the best Tom Savini makeup and special effects ever, and you're like, wow, he really has come a long way. I feel like that's the same with Rob Bottin when you watch The Thing. I mean, his stuff has never gotten as good as The Thing. Some of those sculptures that he made, and you can really get a lot by putting uh, petroleum jelly all over (laughs) shit, I guess. Uh so yeah, so this was just a straight up kind of monster that they were fighting through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it didn't change, didn't do nope. any of that stuff. Yeah, but the, it was effective. It was growing like he was able to grow more yeah. of them. And like, that element's really cool. I'm surprised they haven't they didn't work that into uh, into the newer versions at all. That if a piece of it comes off, that you can actually kind of not grow it, but kind of revitalize it some way. Huh. It's cool. All right, my next guy here, and this was a one that. Uh, Certainly won a whole shitload of awards and got a lot of people some uh, some really great notice. And that's the fabulous, since the first of a couple movies on here I know that we're going to talk about that involved Humphrey Bogart. And that's the uh, the amazing Maltese Falcon, 1941. This is my earliest one on this flick. 
I love the Maltese Falcon. It's I love Humphrey Bogart, man. I, I go every once in a while. I'll go down like a uh, Humphrey Bogart uh, tunnel and just kind of go and watch tons of his flicks, man. And he died super young. He was like. I want to say he died 50s? like he was like 57, and I had looked him up too. And uh, he married Lauren Bacall. They were married for the longest time. He smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, so 40 cigarettes a day apparently he's, he would smoke, uh, non-filtered. <laughs> and then at some point, like in 1956, so he died in 57. In 1956, he obviously got lung cancer real bad and he had to do like a nine hour surgery instead of most people when they got out of the nine hour surgery and stopped smoking like that's done apparently he kept smoking but now he went to filters and it lasted <laughs> another year so apparently that didn't do it for him and he, and he ended up dying but you could see it if you look at it, all his old movies he's got a friggin uh cigarette in his mouth he every time he loved his smoking man i i think the characters did it regardless and uh there's so many of his characters. I don't know if you remember the Kane mutiny with him in it. Oh, he was so good in it. Man. I've seen it. It's yeah. been that's 20 a, that's years. a really great one. He was the admiral that has to go on trial at the end. Really uh, okay. cool. The Kane mutiny. Yeah, really nice. A uh, good movie. Uh, but the Maltese Falcon is one of those ones. It's really great. It's got uh, Sam Spade is one of those characters that has been in literature and in different movies for for a while back in the day. And this is classic no uh, film noir. He's use a, of the shadows. He's a private detective. He's, yeah, he's a private detective, like this gumshoe type of guy. And at the beginning of the movie, he's got like the partner, uh, and he's kind of an interesting character, man. You know, he's he goes around this movie that you you get the impression that he's dealt with all types of shady people, and that he doesn't completely trust anyone in doing that job. I could imagine that's probably been the case, being a private investigator, that someone's trying to always get something over you, or someone's not giving you all the information you need. So at the very beginning, he's got like a uh, he's got a partner uh, with him, and it's called like Spade and something. Uh, detective agency and they have like a uh, a woman who's like a secretary out front and they let this uh like beautiful woman come in and says that she's looking for her uh sister she thinks the sister has gotten involved with the shady guy and that uh she knows the shady guy is going to meet her at a hotel that night and if they could tail him and find out and she'd like to see her sister again it's cut and dry uh I'll give you some money and everything, and then I bet it wasn't. It wasn't cut and dry. <laughs> so uh, Humphrey Bogart doesn't go. It's the partner that shows up, and the partner shows up and ends up dying, he ends up getting shot. So uh, Humphrey Bogart shows up to the scene, and he's looking at the scene. He could tell the the cops are kind of helping him out, saying that he was shot. This was going on, and then the woman shows back up at the. Uh, at the detective agency the next day and he's like all right i know something shady's going on why don't you tell me what's going on and uh she it takes a while to get it out of her and everything but she's uh she is looking for somebody that has this maltese falcon and the maltese falcon is like black solid gold. it's like a no it's like cobalt it's like black it's like this solid cobalt kind and of wasn't thing there and it was something about back it. from well it was like from the renaissance and people had been had been going on people search for like the holy grail and this one uh big fat guy that's in the movie i can't remember his name i think he's famous too i'm not sure but uh him and his lackeys played beautifully by Peter Laurie. And I love Peter Laurie, man. Peter Laurie <laughs> is just so much fun. And I've been watching him early on. He might have been my, the earliest black and white film, like 1928 or 29. He was in that movie M. It was that silent mm-hmm. movie. Um, where he played like a child predator and the whole town was like looking for him. And it was, he's got like buggy eyes. Oh, right? he's got buggy eyes. Yeah. If you've, 
He's if you've like, seen Susan a lot of the Sarandon. Looney Tunes cartoons oh, yeah. back in the day, he was, he was the, the mad scientist, scientist that, yeah. that that had the Mel big Blanc. Red, he had the big red, red creature monster. that followed him around him, but that was a literal, like, exact replica of Peter Lorre. I have Lord. a guy on my... That, yeah, he's also made, in those Looney Tunes. they made fun of a lot, oh, yeah. too. Yep, he's great, too. But Peter Lorre is... he, And he goes between comedy and everything. He was in Casablanca. He's done a lot of stuff with Humphrey Bogart before. And uh, he's just a real fun character. Just he's like he reminds me of like Steve Buscemi, you know, that kind of shady, weaselly looking guy that you kind of like, he's got buggy eyes. but you can't trust completely. <laughs> so he's the lackey that's kind of on the search for the uh, Maltese Falcon. And at some point, he shows up uh, at Humphrey Bogart's and has a gun on him. Uh, and Humphrey Bogart just like takes the gun from him and like <laughs> knocks him out. And when he wakes up, he's got the gun on him again. And then even at and one of the time he tries to grab the gun again. He's got a weird help. voice too. No, he he's got a real. Like, yeah, yeah. He's very. He was in nasally uh, and he was great breathy. in that. Uh, what's that one that we like? Uh, you tell me. Where the <laughs> where the <laughs> sisters are poisoning people. And oh, arsenic and, and, and old lace. lace. Yeah, he was really great in that movie. It was super fun. <laughs> uh, so it's it's kind of revealed to Humphrey Bogart that this is what they're looking for. They're looking for this crazy Falcon. That's part of like, I don't know the Renaissance or something like that. And it's all the shady people that he has to go through. And what's fun about this movie is is what's fun about a lot of great detective stories is that we are following it from uh, the point of view of Humphrey Bogart's character where everyone else knows what the hell's going on except for Humphrey Bogart. And whenever something revealed to him, it's revealed to the audience. But there's also stuff that Humphrey Bogart has figured out in his own head that he's not telling the audience. Mm -hmm. And it's just a lot of really fun twists and turns in this flick. And uh, to the point, it was a really great scene at the end where uh, everyone's paying each other off. I'll give you 10% for this. I'll give you 10% for that. And they finally get... Uh, the Falcon, or what they think is the Falcon, and it's wrapped in this thing, and you see this... I remember uh, the scene at the end. The scene at the end, yeah, so he you got that big fat guy who's got it and he's been looking for it for everywhere. He's been to like Istanbul and Morocco and he's uh, been in all these places looking for it. And he takes like this knife and he starts like uh, slashing at the Falcon because I guess that will be able to tell him if the material is the, the real thing. And he finds out that it's cobalt and it's fake. And at that point they were like, uh, they were like, all right, the search is back on. He says, I'll, we'll go back to Turkey and we'll start there again and we'll look for it. You can tell that this is like a lifetime thing that these guys are looking for the Vulcan. So basically, though, everyone died and this whole thing happened for like this replica and everything. And I, as many times as I watch it, every time I get to the ending, I'm like, man, how great would it be if, if, like something fell off that thing and the outside was fake and the real falcons on it i always wanted to end that way as much as i love the movie i always <laughs> want to change it at the end every time i watch it because i'm you like should remake I, would, I know i would i just want humphrey bogart to once they leave the room <clears throat> and think that they're off to search for another one it would be so great to see something just fall that cobalt that was covering it fall off and the real thing be underneath that's that's what i would do if that's... i was to remake it <laughs> but it's great it won uh, it won a, i'm not sure what awards it uh won uh, but it, it certainly it was an early one in Humphrey Bogart's career, for sure. I, a lot of the other ones, there's a couple that we're going to talk about that I won't mention, but I know The Big Sleep is a big one. High Sierra is another great one. The African Queen. Uh, the African Queen was the one that he actually won. He had not won an Oscar until The African Queen, uh, and that was done later, in, way later in his uh, career, probably about five years before he died, probably. I think it was like 52 or 53. That's the Catherine Hepburn one, oh. when, when they're on the riverboat together. Yeah. Uh, really well done, really great. 
uh, and him and Catherine Hepburn had like a great rapport together. But he also she did couldn't so get him many. To quit smoking. Yeah, he couldn't get him. Well, I mean, Lauren Bacall was his wife at the time, and uh, when Lauren Bacall. When they died, she married, and in this part I didn't know, she married James uh, Robarts and was married to James Robarts. Jason Robarts. Uh, Jason Robarts, sorry. Uh, Jason Robarts for, like, his entire life. I was oh. like, holy shit. But she had two kids with Humphrey Bogart, so I don't hmm. know what ended up happening to them. I would think they would be kind of uh, actors, but who knows. <laughs> Some of those uh, big scr- uh, golden oldie kind of silver screen actors kids don't grow up that well that was uh i heard a story about like uh we don't have him on this list anywhere but carrie grant carrie can't grant's like grandson is like the biggest fuck up in the world and he's in and out of like uh it's uh, a big statement prisons and everything so yeah, yeah he's pretty big <laughs> all right so yeah maltese falcon check it out it's really one of the uh the better ones from the 40s yep yep all right 1948 Ooh. Oh, I got a 48. This is my second 48. Um, or Must have been a good list. year. Uh, so it was directed, produced, written, and starred Whoa. all by the same guy. Oh, nice. Sir Lawrence Olivier. Oh, direct, I had no idea that Directed, he... produced, wrote, obviously well, adapted. <laughs> adapted. <laughs> yeah. I know what movie you're talking about, and I had no idea. And starred in it. Wow. Hamlet. Yeah. The, for, um, the British adaption yeah. of it. And I, this was always one of my favorite stories of Shakespeare. Uh, it was it's probably my favorite story about any of the Shakespeare. Yeah, movies. it's the one I'm most familiar with, and I've watched a lot of the different movies. Like this was must be the ones that you had mentioned that had been done so many times. I mean, if you're familiar with Shakespeare, yeah. you, I mean, you know everybody dies. Yeah. So oh yeah, it's, there's no it's all tragedies. It is definitely all tragedy. I mean, I guess they did have some comedies, but even in the comedies, they had some tragedy. Uh, I enjoyed the the Mel Gibson Glenn Close one. I really like that. Uh, one. That one's a great one, and I also really enjoyed the ethan hawk modern day one that they they did when it was like the Uh denmark corporation and Mm -hmm. uh bill murray played polonius in it and uh what helena bottom car played uh, no helena bottom car played the ophelia in the the mel gibson one yeah uh or second one julia styles played her in the uh the modern one those are the three that i always remember the lawrence olivier the mel gibson and then the uh, it has one when you watch it, you realize a lot of the quotes that you know over the years oh, yeah. from being Shakespeare yeah. are from, are from this, this Yeah, This and Macbeth, I think, have the yeah. most quotable ones. But I'm guessing, and I haven't seen this version in a while, too. I'm guessing they they he tried to play pretty close to how uh, it the, was pretty close. the play was. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, so you could just tell us a little was, premise yeah. of the uh, thing. I'm, was he the only? I can look it up while you're talking about if there's anyone else kind of really famous in there because I'm I'm assuming that he had uh, he was able to choose who we wanted in the uh, in the film for sure. If he's the one producing, starring yeah. it, and adapting it, that's crazy that he did that. Now, if you're not anyone out there who's not fil- uh, familiar with Lawrence Olivier, Lawrence Olivier's been he's up until he was an old man. Some of the stuff when he was an old man was some of his best stuff i absolutely love like sleuth with him and michael kane mm-hmm. and obviously marathon man Ooh. in my opinion his villain in marathon man is one of the biggest of villains ever and he's played lawrence olivier's played some really great lovable characters in his uh, life uh just not in that movie <laughs> it had a half a million dollar budget in wow. 1948 that's pretty big that's crazy well you would know where the money went. It was all production. I don't recognize any of these actors, but I would have to assume that they're all stage actors. There's and no reason pro- not they're to all get, British. <clears throat> no reason not to get stage actors have been doing this play on stage yeah. for years and years because you cannot really want that. So basically, Hamlet is the heir. 
to the throne of Denmark. Yeah. His dad just his, died. His dad... Like, before the play even started. His right? dad yeah. died, but you didn't know how. Yeah. You, and the mother married the dad's brother. Yeah. So the brother... Uh, becomes, looking a little shady already. <laughs> well, you knew what the movie you were expecting, because they, they were in court. They were holding court when the scene opened, and Hamlet was obviously distressed, and his mother's, like, kissing him, but they're kissing, like... Boyfriend and girlfriend, sort of <laughs> like man charging candidate yeah. thing going on. Yeah, more, more than that. More than that. Let me watch you, kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, that's kind of strange. So, I mean, I knew the whole story before yeah, yeah, I watched yeah. it. I think so. most, a lot of people do. Basically, the the premise of the story is is the uh, the the father was poisoned by the brother, and Hamlet's told through his father's ghost. Yeah, he, he sees visits his ghost. His ghost visits the the guards, and yeah. then the guards. Come and get him. Yeah. You remember the guards are Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, who become famous in their own right yeah. in, in other movies and stuff and like play. that. I saw, and that play yeah. was great. There were yep. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yeah, there's a, been a couple movies that have been done off just that. And uh, so he, yeah, he gets he's told. So he's out for revenge. Yeah. And the way he wants to get his revenge is he calls all these theater <laughs> troupe people in. He's like, I want you to put a play on for the king and queen about. This subject right yeah. here, showing and basically the murder. told him the whole murder, yeah. and they do act the murder out in front of the king. It's the really king, great. The king loses it, and everybody because Hamlet's out. basically just there to watch the reaction yeah. of uh, of his mom and his uncle as the play is going on, and it, and it at least in the other versions it goes off exactly how you'd expect it to go off, where they're like freaking out and like looking yeah. both ways, and, and somebody you, knows, and somebody. you have that one. That one asshole that works for the king that kind of like play was playing everybody against everybody. Was it Polonius? What Ophelia's dad? Yeah, Ophelia's yeah, yeah, yeah. dad. That's who Bill Murray played yeah. in the other one. And uh, so if he gets a Hamlet, man, that's, yeah. that was like the best thing. Oh, do you remember? He was uh, with his mother. Yeah, and he heard rustling behind the thing, yeah. and he just he just stabbed, stabbed Ren, without even knowing who's behind who was it. behind there. Yeah, uh, in the uh, in the Ethan Hawke modern one, he shot through the. Uh, closet and shoots Bill Murray in the center of the forehead. Oh, really? And he just like opens the door and he stumbles up and falls to the ground dead. You're like, holy crap, when's the next time you get to see that besides Zombieland? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really cool. <laughs> but we haven't even mentioned Ophelia because <clears throat> how these characters are reacting was always a big part of it to me because Hamlet's kind of nuts in this whole movie. Not as nuts as Ophelia. Ophelia's like cannot... Ophelia lost her mind. Yeah, There's she lost difference. her mind and eventually threw herself he, off um, the like tower or something sir lawrence olivier didn't play him as nuts as as crazy uh, like I, and he i don't want to say crazy nuts. but he yeah. acted crazy but it was a ploy yeah to get i and i think that was kind of how it was with the military. it had some great he must have he must have really trained a sword fight because they oh, yeah. had a couple of different scenes yeah. that scene, long at, the scene end, at the end sword fighting and it and it was a wide shot it, I mean, was, it was was it the same thing where they tainted the end of the uh uh, the foils with the poison. Yeah, he so his mother drank the poison. Oh, see, the, the ending of Hamlet is awesome, man. I the, just thought he got scratched. Yeah, by so the jump swords, to the ending. So. so he dies, but then before he dies, he cuts the wrists of the other guy he was fighting. So the other guy bleeds out. Yeah, but then uh, the father is trying to get away. Yeah, so Hamlet goes over and and uh, runs him through. Yeah, and kills him. So. And I Hamlet think, falls dead. The mother falls dead. The guy he was fighting falls dead. The dad's already dead. So yeah. it's just a it's like a room full. Of, and I think that's how the play ended in the uh, yeah uh, on the production. Down. You know, everyone's yeah. dead on the ground. I think in the Mel Gibson version, he forces that like wine down the uncle's throat. He's like standing over him and pouring, pouring it. it down his throat and everything. Because I think the the 
uncle had made because it was the whole thing where the uncle was kind of uh, backing the other guy that he was going to fight in that sword fight. Yeah. And they tried to do a lot of shady stuff first by poisoning the drink and then by also tipping the uh, putting poison on the end of the uh, the foil of the sword, which I always thought that was really an amazing thing that, oh, if you did just get touched it like the Mel Gibson one, it was like dripping green. Like <laughs> you knew that this was poison and if it slashed you, you're screwed. So it, it was really clever and uh, one of the more... Uh, I wouldn't say the more the most violent was probably Macbeth, but Hamlet had no, a good amount. The uh, most violent was that one. Oh, Titus and Titus Andronicus. Yeah, Titus and was <laughs> fucked, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I even have nightmares just thinking about that. Yeah, movie, even man. for Shakespeare, that's really crazy. I mean, when you're I when mean, Anthony Hopkins scoops the meat pie mm. and it's like jiggling oh god and puts yeah. it on their plate and then she starts to eat and i'm like yeah oh my god. watch titus that's a movie that no one has seen i i very rarely oh. met, uh, see anyone who's in the scene who's when he comes it. upon his daughter oh god the whole the sticks the whole movie is awesome man it's really a great so movie. we haven't talked died, we haven't yeah. talked about it yet but we'll have to do that it. alan cummins alan cummings was, was great, great. In it. uh jessica uh lang was great was in awesome. it. everyone was great everybody in it. Was yeah great. We'll have to talk about one of these days. We have like a wild card maybe or something. Maybe or something. <laughs> all right. This next movie here. And this one, I, I loved it. Well, obviously, I love all these movies. This is 1950. And this was, there's a couple of movies coming up here where it's directly dealing with mental illness uh, or it's somebody going crazy or losing their mind. Actually, what about Bob? All, all three of my last films really have that kind of centered around it. So the first one of those of my trilogy of crazy is uh, 1950s Sunset Boulevard. I love Sunset Boulevard. This is the one with Gloria uh, Swanson and uh, and <clears throat> she. What was the name of the main uh, uh, character in this? Let me look it up while I talk about it. So basically, you got William Holden. A lot of people will remember William uh, Holden uh, from. Uh, the Bridge on the River Kwai. Oh, he yeah, was the yeah. American yeah. there, and he was also in Catch-22. He's the one that kept trying to escape. Yeah, Catch-22. He's great, and this was early, early. Norman Densman, that's right. So William Holden plays the character of John Gillis, and he's a screenwriter that just can't get anything made. Sounds familiar. Uh, <laughs> and he can't get anyone to buy any of his stuff. And at just one day, he's, and he's so down in the dumps that uh, – at the beginning of the movie, he's constantly worried about people repoing his car, so he's got somebody following him, and he thinks it's the car repoer, so he just turns into this like huge mansion. And when he goes into the mansion, uh, some uh, the butler comes out and says, you're wanted inside the house. And he was like, I think they, he thinks I'm somebody else, but I'll come inside the house. And she's like... Madam's upstairs, so he goes upstairs and saying he was just going to tell her, hey, you know, I was just coming in to... Uh, uh, I just got lost and had to turn into your place. But she thinks that he is there to deliver a small coffin for a baby coffin for a baby coffin for a dead chimpanzee that's in her room. They don't explain it. They don't explain anything about it after that. That's the last you hear about it. While he's leaving the house, the guy who actually is delivering the coffin comes in uh, and everything. (laughs) And you're like, what the hell is going on in this place? And you shortly uh, um, realize that this Norma Desmond was a huge, huge star in silent movies. And we're at the period like now the where... Arbuckle, uh, Arbuckle. Yeah, and we're at the period of time, I guess, 19, when the movie starts, 1950, is where silent pictures are gone. That Anybody that was in silent pictures is just not famous anymore. And she is basically sitting at her house, lost her mind completely, going crazy, continually thinking that... Uh, baby Jane? <laughs> uh, no, she just... 
is waiting for that phone call from Warner Brothers oh, or MGM that she's going to be called into the set and that she's going to revitalize her career. They didn't revitalize and, careers uh, back then like they do now. Who's the guy that did the Ten Commandments? Because he had a major role in this. Now, he's right here, so it shouldn't take long. Cecil B. DeMille. Cecil B. DeMille was like one of her old directors and everything. So she's she's saying Cecil's going to... Uh, he, he's already... I've sent him my script and he's going to call it any time here. And she's excited when William Holden reveals that he's a screenwriter and, and she's like and she's got nobody there except for the butler who you find out later on used to be one of her directors and one of her husbands she's had like three husbands she turned him into a butler turned him into a butler and he's obsessed with her so much that he's willing to do it and what? take care of her and everything but she's always very wide eyed like she's got her eyes are like always really wide and the makeup is very what, what extreme was who's this uh, actress again uh, Gloria Swanson plays her I think she's playing Norma Swanson. Desmond let me see yeah Gloria Swanson this is like the big thing she's she's known for uh, this had that famous line that's the very last line of the movie. She says, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeVille. Mm-hmm. So she's losing her mind through the whole thing, and it, it doesn't help that William Holden's there, and he's basically a gigolo. He, she's buying him things. He's staying there. He leaves to go date somebody, and she <laughs> freaks out because he's dating somebody. And she's like, hey, I'm just staying here with you. I'm not even sure what's happening here in this relationship. <laughs> I'm just kind of living here and listening to your craziness. And at some point... Uh, MGM or Warner Brothers, I'm not sure which of the big companies, calls for Gloria Swanson or the Norma Desmond character to come down to the lot. She's like, this is it. I've been waiting for this. And you don't realize realize that they want a car that she has to borrow for their production. They don't want her at all. So she shows up at the lot and uh, it, it goes as beautifully as you would expect she would want it to go she goes to the uh the security and they're like oh my god is that norma desmond and they're like yes i'm back and she's like come on in norma <laughs> she goes in the set and everyone recognizes and comes over to her and cecil b Demille has like a faint clue who she was oh yeah norma desmond and it's like oh my god is she still sending their uh her uh script in and they're like no she's here on the set she's like right over there and he looks over there and everyone's surrounding her and everything and she's kind of uh just awestruck by how everyone's treating her and everything not realizing that they don't want her for shit they just want her for her car <laughs> and they tell william holden william holden doesn't have uh, know how to break it to her so he brings her back to the house so the, the whole rest of the movie she's she's thinking that uh cecil's waiting for it and that at one point her mental illness just takes over and she's like crazy and she ends up killing uh killing this uh, person uh william holden she's like accusing william holden of stuff and william holden brings this girlfriend over the house and uh another guy shows up and um she doesn't know what's going on at this point so she shoots him and the cops are all called and everything and the cops all show up and then the press gets uh word of it so they all show up at the house together and uh basically the butler is trying to kind of play into her delusions and everything so he goes up and says says to her you know uh the the cameras are ready uh they're waiting yeah the cameras are ready they're waiting for you to they know that's how she's gonna go down quietly and so she's like descending the staircase like this this is is like a famous shot yeah like this is her big star it's been so long and and so everyone else there is realizes that they're gonna arrest her and she's gonna get uh charged with murder and all this other stuff and she is just enjoying the hell out of it and she's like uh, she mean, does that great you get line. crazy enough that it's probably fun again yeah. and i know i mean she, in her mind this is this is not yeah. a bad thing yeah but, uh, being everyone else is wondering what the hell has ever happened to this oh, or man. some people are saying who the hell is this again which really goes into the whole thing and about it's kind of crazy because it, like a lot of those people if, if one pill a day would have yeah yeah mood stabilizer like, like uh, oh. the guy that howard hughes yeah yep 
If you had some sort of some people who just need mood stabilizers and they're completely fine. And that probably would have been her case. But she had that kind of and I'm sure it's a big thing that if you're big in Hollywood when you're younger, I mean, a lot of child actors have that, you know, you look at these. Yeah, you look at these child actors who've done huge, huge things and then they become like non-existent after that and they don't do shit and they have to go. And uh, there was a story that uh, uh, there was a story that uh, Brian Johnson, he's a guy uh, from another podcast that I listened to, tells that he was in New Jersey and he was at this random grocery store and uh, he, he had been on the show Comic Book Man and obviously he was in Kevin Smith's films. And he was talking to the guy bagging the groceries, and he's like, oh, I hear you're in Hollywood. Uh, and he says, oh, yeah, really? Who'd you hear that from? And he was, I guess he was shopping there with his mom. He says, oh, your mom told me. And he, he was like, yeah, yeah, I had my stint in there. And he says, oh, me too. And he says, really? What'd you do? He's, he says, Henry Portrait of Serial Killer. I was the screenwriter for it. Uh, and he was like, really? He's like, that's one of my favorite films and everything. And I guess he had, co- he had co-written. No, he had co-written <laughs> with his uh, director. And uh Brian Johnson had like a discussion about this in the con with Michael Rooker. He says, oh, I met the screenwriter. And he's like, yeah, I wonder whatever happened to him. And he says, I can tell you what's happened to him. He's bagging groceries in New Jersey. And he's like, why do you think I do these cons, man? He says, I never want to go back to having to do that stuff. It's a tough, tough business. And to be able to But you to, have like, to have a certain level. Like yeah. he hadn't gotten to that level. Like Michael Rooker could do cons the rest of his oh, yeah, yeah, life yeah, yeah. just from the no, body the other work guy that he's in, done. Maybe the other guy could have done it because they have some minor people. If you were the writer of Henry and you were getting all these people together for a like a reunion or something maybe yeah. you could but uh one time if you don't if you don't move there and stick with it and try to grind like a lot of these people do that's why i love a lot of these character actors because they put that grind in there to be able to do it but yeah so that's my uh my third one sunset boulevard what do you got for your next flick nice my next one is key largo oh i love key largo man and talk this, about star yeah this cast. had, this had I mean, an this all-star cast had all-star cast speaking of uh, Humphrey Bogart and yep. Lauren Bacall, but yep. it also I think they had already done Big Sleep together. I think this was their second one, but she was young in this man. She I was mean, she very was super young. super young. She <laughs> must have been twenty two, twenty three. Her waist was so tiny, oh, it was yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And um, she has that. She had that gruff voice anyway. Oh yeah, starting yeah. Out. She probably smoked just as much as he oh did. maybe yeah. I mean, you I can't mean, live with a, a lot two pack for sure. That's true. So maybe she was like one pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or went to light cigarettes and had cancer light later. But this is this is. One of the first times that I had ever seen uh, Edward, oh, G. Right, Edward Robinson, G. Robinson, man, who was yeah. a superstar. Yeah, and even till his like when he was like really old, like uh, Solvent uh, Soylent Green, he mm-hmm. was like the old guy in Soylent Green that went into the suicide machine. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, at, yeah, at the very yeah, end, yeah, and yeah. lived with uh, what's his name, Charlton Heston. That's right. Uh, also, Laura, uh, Lionel Barrymore was yep. uh, huge in this. He was that big dude that was kind of uh, uh, stuck at that hotel, too. And he played, uh, his famous one was, uh, he was the asshole Mr. Potter in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. He was that uh, oh, the really boss. asshole uh, guy that he was going to uh, fire him. And holy crap, you, you got a lot of water just pulling off your roof, dude. <laughs> Where did that come from? It must have been collected up there. And it just kind of poured down. Yeah, we had we had a tarp up there. So that <laughs> See, was... that goes with this movie, man, because there's a lot of weather conditions in Key Largo. It... Now, I, have you ever been to Key Largo? Yes, I've I've been to a couple of the Keys, but I've never been to Largo. Is that the is that you the tip have... one? Is that the no? The last Key West one? is That's the tip Key one. So if you've been to Key West, you've been to Key, you've been through Key Largo. Uh, yeah, I drove down all. there. I drove down there at night. Key Largo is one of the first keys. Uh, the first one, the the one with the eye. It's a long yeah, I yeah, word, mm-hmm. like an Indian uh, word. That one I've been to uh, the most, but I did have to drive down there at night over that huge bridge to go pick somebody up one night. And 
It's a long drive. It's cool from what I hear. A lot of people love it. Yeah, but it's two lanes. So if you get stuck behind traffic, it's almost like it used to be going into Provincetown. Yeah. If there's like evacuation, hurricane evacuation. We went down there for a long weekend one time, a couple different times. And uh, it's funny because we were in Key West and we stayed with some people that were super wealthy. Yeah. That's and, the way to do it. Yeah. And like had sailboats. Yeah. And had, Did you go down during Fantasy Fest or? No, no, I didn't go down during the craziness. Yeah, that's that's the last thing. People love doing that stuff. That's the last time I would go down there. I want to go like, off season where everyone's like kids going are in to school. Mardi Gras. You do that when yeah. you're young. Yeah. You don't do that when you're older. Yeah. Me, my, me and my wife love traveling in October because all kids go back to school and every uh, and all the tourists are gone. It's like the best time of travel in my opinion, October. But set the stage up for this movie. It starts out with um, uh, Humphrey Bogart traveling down. Yeah, he's a he's a soldier. He's, he's a, like he's a, a ex. He's, uh, he's a marine, but he's also but he was like an a, officer. He was an officer. Yeah, and he was coming down to talk to the dad, Lionel Barrymore. Yeah, because his son died, and he was with him when he died. Yeah. So it was one of those, like, I'm going to go see your pop. Wrong person at the wrong place yeah. at the wrong time. So he comes in, and, and as soon as he comes in, like, there's all these people in the hotel, yeah. and they start telling him, to, the drunk lady, dr- was She great. won an Oscar for this. Did she? Yeah. She's the she only should've. person who won an Oscar in this She was movie. great. Yeah, best supporting actress in this. I thought that was strange that nice. she won, but she, she was, was really, really she good. She was a great character. Uh, she was like the, well, I haven't said yeah, she why. Was a, she was a drunk in this movie for the, for a lot of part of it, but I always thought it, thought it was weird when I was watching this. It was like, they are constantly trying to get him to drink. Like, do you want to drink? Someone drink with me. Why won't anyone drink with me? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah he was like offended. Yeah. So... <laughs> He goes and talks to the old man. He rented the whole place out to one group of people that were yeah. there. And you slowly find out one of them has a gun. Yeah. And then they keep calling the boss and you haven't seen the boss. Yeah. Till about like 20 Until about 25 movie, minutes yeah. into the movie, this guy comes out in like silk robe and slippers. And this is the guy you were talking about who they, on Looney Tunes. Yeah. Anytime they did a gangster on yeah. Looney Tunes. It yeah. Was see? He had the really big lips. And, and he had he the was, droopy face too. Yeah, like his lips kind of turned down on yeah, his corners. It's really funny. If you, if you look up Edward G. Robinson, Looney Tunes, it's, it's like a caricature of him. It's yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. You can tell. <laughs> so he's, he's the, he's a mob, you get it. He's a mob boss. Yeah. There's no way of not guessing that he's yeah. a boss. <laughs> he was, he's he basically he's being run out of town, so he needs to get to like Cuba or something. Yeah. So they're waiting there for the charter boat to come, but the problem is yeah. there's a hurricane coming in. This movie never would have happened if it wasn't for bad weather, really. Yeah, because of course. People would have left yeah, already. Have, all right, would, see you later. Yeah, but that, that was kind of an element in this movie is the hurricanes, which slam the keys a lot oh yeah I mean, they do that's yeah. not where you seems like paradise when you're living there on the uh on not hurricane season but when hurricane season hits but, but those guys got it like locked down like you know they have the they, storm shutters those storm and the shutters and everything and backup they, generator yeah and all that so they, they know how to handle it more than anybody so about halfway through fun, uh shit finally goes down like yeah. the old man in the wheelchair mm-hmm. sort of starts shit with edward j robinson yeah. And people pull guns on each other. And basically, they're like, we're all just going to sit here. Yep. Everybody relax. They left the... We're going to be... They let the workers, like, lock the yeah, workers outside. Out, outside during, yeah, the during the hurricane. And I remember when they you opened the doors them. and they're like, you, you're not a good man. You left us out. And he was like, what the hell? They were outside during this whole thing? <laughs> oh, crazy. So they just waited out. Could be a play. I mean, this could, be, could a be a really, play. really good play. And uh, it, it came down to they were getting onto the boat. 
mm-hmm. and they were going to take off. And um, Humphrey Bogart like is goes with them mm-hmm. in order to like I don't know. <laughs> Either he snuck on the boat. Did he sneak on the boat? I can't remember. I think he just went with them so that he they would leave. I watched part of it the other day, but I never got to the ending, and I completely forget what happened. And uh, so the boss was down in the cargo hold, mm-hmm. and then they had a shootout between him and Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. And uh, but the boat was like water and everything. Oh yeah. Everywhere. And was- this was like. Lauren Bacall played a lot of tough kind of women roles. This wasn't one of them. This she, was not one th- of them. This was no. the one where she's like the uh, da- not uh, damsel in distress, but kinda. she's she's kind of damsel in distress. I mean, she's she's playing young. She's afraid through the most of the movie, and she's kind of just coming in as that character. Claire you, Trevor, she's the one that yeah, won the she's best. the one. She was the uh, Oscar one. Uh, what what scene do you think she must have wanted for? I mean, she was really good in everything she was in. I guess she the scene. I I imagine the scene when uh, she remember he was yelling at her if she did something. Yeah, he'd give her this drink, and she was like begging for the drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like begging, begging, <laughs> like she was an alcoholic. Yeah, and yeah, her, and her hands were twitching out of control. Yeah. I'm trying to see what other movies she was known for. Yeah. Stagecoach. Stagecoach is a pretty Murder big movie. Murder My Sweet. Yeah, Stagecoach is probably the biggest one uh, for her. That's a really big Western uh, yeah. flick back in the day. So. I don't recognize yeah, anything It's great else. that uh, she got nominated for it. and or, I mean, won it. Uh, because it could have easily gotten awards for any of those guys uh, in the picture. Those, Like you said, it was a huge all-star cast. It was. Cool. All right, my next one, huge movie. Uh, I, I always love this movie, and this was my part two in my uh, mental illness will uh, do bad things to you. And uh, a lot of people, uh, well, I'll just say the movie first of all, and this is 1951's A Streetcar Named Desire. And this was based off the Tennessee Williams play. And a little interesting fact about this is, well, it had, had a great cast. It was uh, Marlon Brando, obviously, is the, the main His guy. Car- Carl Malden. Uh, Kim Hunter, who a lot of people know as she was the female uh, Planet of the Apes ape. Oh yeah, yeah that yeah. was with Roddy mm-hmm. McDowell. She did all those movies. So a lot of her career was done under in that makeup. makeup. But in this, she was the sister, and then the girl. Uh, she was Stella, and then the girl, uh, the sister that shows up uh, is Vivian Lee, who Vivian Lee is very famous for uh, Gone with the Wind. She was the Scarlet uh, actress. Vivian Lee, she Janet Lee's uh, mother. No, uh, I'm not sure who Janet Lee's mother is. That might be an interesting uh, thing. But yeah, Vivian Lee is uh, definitely Scarlet. And uh, most people love her from Gone with the Wind. Most, I love her from this. She plays crazy as hell in this movie. I don't, you'll uh, have to set this movie up. So, because what's it's going been a on be, before that, it. this little piece of good information is all of these actors, except for Vivian Lee, were doing this on Broadway. Okay. And so they, they had are, done it for years. So they didn't and, even have to need a script. And. <laughs> It was weird because they thought Vivian Lee had more star power, so they pulled the actress, the other actress, who's famous, who was in the play, Jessica Tandy, no. you know, from Throw Mount, oh. uh, no, uh, Driving Miss Daisy, yeah. and she had known it backwards and forwards, so there was that kind of strife back and forth that we are, we're a team here, we don't want the, to split up the team, we could, we could go in and do Vivian this. Lee did a good job. Yeah, she did an amazing job in this movie, and I'll have to look up and see uh, what kind of award she won for this while I'm talking, I'll look it up. Uh, but the premise is is that it's in New Orleans. Uh, I think it's in New Orleans, or is it Memphis? New Orleans. Uh, 
New Orleans, if it is a New Orleans, it's New Orleans is always a character in any movie it's in. Yeah, and the, same with this. This movie was very hot and sweaty. There was so much. I'll see where it's filmed here. There has to be New Orleans because um, Memphis is not like that. New Orleans, Louisiana. Yep. And let me go back. One of my favorite places. I've been there more than any other city. To New Orleans, uh-huh. it's this won four Oscars. Okay, so I'll tell you the best Oscar picture. Word. So best West director. Vivian Lee. So I guess they can't really complain. Uh, Jessica Tandy. Then again, <laughs> Jessica Tandy's like, I could that could have been my fucking award. <laughs> uh, it also won for best supporting role for Carl Malden, uh, best supporting actress Kim Hunter. Basically, everyone but Marlon Brando won an award for this. I bet he was it's really four major stars, and he puts in a fucking amazing thing. It also won for best art direction. It was nominated. Marlon Brando was nominated. He had an Indian picture. ready to go to accept his award. Got back the director. Then. It, it was nominated for every award, and it won. Fifty-one. It won four of them. Uh, yeah, nineteen fifty-one. So the premise is, there. Uh, you've got Kim Hunter and Carl uh, and uh, Marlon Brando are living together in like this shoebox apartment, where all the neighbors are so close. It's right on like Bourbon Street there, and like I said, the the element of heat is always in this. And Vivian Lee shows up. She just gets off the train, and she's had some. Uh, she's getting there because. She was living on a plantation that uh, Kim Hunter, it's her sister, who Kim Hunter and uh, her family owned, and it uh, went under, and they, they sold it, and she had no place to live. So she was going to stay with them. And Marlon Brando, at the very beginning, was very suspicious of what the hell was going on here. She's like, all right, if the if they sold this plantation, where's the money? He's constantly thinking that Kim Hunter has money coming to her that uh, Vivian Lee's uh, not giving to her. And Vivian Lee's not straight up about what's going on. So right when Vivian Lee shows up, she goes in like the, I think she, she leaves the apartment for a little bit or she's in the, I think she might even be in the bathroom like getting ready. Where Marlon Brando, you, you get the idea that he is this blue collared rough, gruff, I will punch anyone at the, uh, any point. Uh, he, he's not punching the, any of the, uh, the women, but a, any of the guys that he's around and everything. He's just kind of like that loud, boisterous, like scream in someone's face. That he would do. He, he does a lot of screaming in this movie, specifically the Stella line. Uh, he gets out of control drunk at a uh, card game one night, and uh, Stella apparently get the impression that uh, that they have these raging arguments constantly and when she they get into a raging arm and she just goes upstairs to the neighbor's house this older woman that kind of keeps her there and it's kind of talking her into, why are you doing this and everything and even vivian lee says why are you putting up this and she's like i like it he says i, I like it he says we we get into these the fights we make up the passion involves so she has no problem with it and you, you it gets can t- it gets old after it, yeah a yeah i would imagine it would get old <laughs> after a while and you you get the impression that it, it happened but it wasn't as regular as it was at, once vivian lee showed up because she was obviously wants to believe everything her sister says and uh her sister's just lying one lie after another after another and you realize that she was just kind of with all these different guys and she's living all, all this kind of life that she's not kind of portraying that she's living and marlon brando has to like pick it pick apart like an onion uh, a little bit the story and everything and then vivian lee starts kind of uh getting like goo goo eyes for carl malden and they go up on a couple of dates <laughs> which uh <laughs> carl malden was young in this uh, uh movie so he's he was still, uh, he's a goofy looking uh, he, he's a little goofy but this is the <laughs> least goofy he yeah looked, really nice. and so he goes out Good with you, her carl. and he's kind of picking apart uh that something's wrong with her and uh and Marlon Brando's not happy that his best friend's going out with this crazy lady. And, like, how long is she going to be here? And she's, like, when she's in the bathroom the next morning, he's, like, ripping apart her, like, uh, 
horse suitcase. He's like, yeah, she has no money. Where's she paying for this fur? Where's she paying for these pearls and everything? He says, he says, your your house inheritance is right here in this fucking bag. That's what's going on. And uh, gradually, she keeps losing her mind, and she's hiding in the corner, and she doesn't know what's going on until the uh, until the very end, where. Uh, they're playing poker, everything seems nice, and the doctors show up to bring her to the insane asylum. And they've got to, like, literally, like, she hold escaped. her down. And they were like, no, they got to hold her down. And they were like, do you want the jacket? And he's like, no, she'll be fine. Won't you be fine? And she's just out of it, man. She doesn't know what the fuck is going on. She just basically has a mental collapse and a break while she's at the apartment with these guys. And they're not making it easier on her. They're not very sympathetic other than the <laughs> sister. Uh there's many times where she, uh, Vivian Lee's just trying to run away from Marlon Brando, who's just kind of belittling her, screaming in her face and everything, and just pushing her. He almost pushes her into this breakdown and everything, and he, he kind of feels bad, and he doesn't feel bad, and they just have a baby. Uh, Kim, and Kim Hunter just has a baby, uh, and they have the newborn there and everything, and they just want... Uh, no room for crazy there. here. No room for crazy here, and that's what happens. And they have that during one of their fights. <laughs> we're all full. <laughs> yeah, we're all full here. Uh, during one of their fights is when Marlon Brando says his like key line where he screams Stella at the top of his lungs when uh, his wife is up at that apartment during one of their fights uh, and everything. And it, it was a fantastic movie. You got the impression watching it, and it's really great when you hear, or at least I hear as a moviegoer, that this cast has done this for like years on Broadway. What was an another, easy shoot. What an easy oh, shoot God, it must man. have been, man. And that's why it, it must have really pissed them off when uh, Jessica Tandy wasn't part of it because they were like... I'm surprised they didn't say, hey, you take us all or you don't yeah, get any yeah, of us. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't pull that thing because the, the money must have been big. And they yeah, were like, yeah, we're like, not uh, doing it regardless. Sorry, Jess. <laughs> because she killed it on stage. If you pull up Streetcar Named Desire Jessica Tandy, there's tons of pictures of her on stage doing this, uh, this role. And... Uh, you literally, I mean, you could just, these guys know, you would never have an issue where people wouldn't know their role or what they were or doing. Or their character's motivation. Or their character's motivation. I mean, they do this twice a night or however many yeah. times they were doing, I don't know. Uh, It'd be so like you start in a deliberate paper movie and yeah. try to figure out how to throw it. Yeah, I know. I mean, this, uh, another movie that comes to mind is when they did, uh, when William Freakin did Bug, you know, when he got Michael yeah. Shannon. Mm-hmm. And Michael Shannon had been doing it off-Broadway for two years, so it was basically like the Michael Shannon show. And they brought Ashley Judd in, who wasn't part of it, but uh, working with somebody that was so familiar with the uh, material must have helped her uh, I'm sure, character I'm sure Hamlet was the same way. Yeah, oh yeah, these guys. had I'm Anyone sure. in that thing, probably even still, even with Lawrence, I mean, a lot of those, especially if you're a British actor coming up, I would imagine that's like... In acting one oh, acting yeah. 101 is you're doing, doing Shakespeare class and they're like all right we're gonna do a, because the great thing about Shakespeare is that you can just do scenes oh yeah it's like great yeah and I think a lot of actors do that they'll bust out and they're just showing their like that grave monologue yeah the I've grave monologue is done a lot of times I knew him Horatio yeah <laughs> isn't uh didn't Robin Williams play the uh I think Robin yeah. Williams played the grave guy yeah. in the Mel Gibson Hamlet I think I'm you're right. I'm pretty sure that's who did it, which was one of the first times we saw him do kind of one of those weird offshoot dramas and everything, and I thought it was cool. But yeah, Streetcar Named Desire, you can't go wrong, man. If you see it, and if, I'm sure they still play it in, on Broadway or off-Broadway, uh, no doubt. And it's a fun story that you get to just watch kind of like four major char- uh, characters in these small, small settings going off of each other. Another movie that I loved about that, that I'm not sure if it was ever done as a play, but it reminds me of it uh, of this movie because it was all, 
it was all unstable people in uh, was uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Oh yeah, and it was basically uh, Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton, George Siegel uh, from Just Shoot Me, and uh, Sandy Duncan who played uh, the out of towners. Yep. that that mm-hmm. woman there. And it was all four of them having like a dinner party, and they were all getting drunk, and they were all screaming and yelling at each other. It was the play they were doing it during was crazy. Um, during uh, Bird. The Michael bird, Keaton. Oh, the Birdman. The Birdman. Bird, yeah, yeah, yeah. That play they were yeah. doing. That was. It, I love that movie, man. If you ever get a chance to watch that, it wasn't black and white, so we can't use it on here. But, and we uh, haven't really talked about. I, I, when we said you were going to do black and white, my idea w- was to do old movies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, b- black and white movies are are crazy in itself. Like the man, I mean, who, yeah, man we, who wasn't there, I could have done that. Could have, but but it, and it's cool. And you know, another one I was reading about this the other day. Uh, the cat's meow. Yeah. It wasn't black and white, yeah. but the. The director lobbied with the producers oh, really? for months to yeah. try to get them. And great they were movie. Like, they were like, no, we're not yeah. doing the black. It's one of those great random indie movies that stars like 20 big stars. Yeah. That, uh, if you want to see um, is Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard is awesome. In it. He does a and, great. Uh, Edward great. Herman yeah. playing. Oh, and the uh, Jennifer Tilly was great. In Jennifer it Tilly was good. Uh, Carrie Elway. There's a lot of people in that. Like, um, they forget about, man. Like yeah. I I know there's like five other big stars in that movie I can't think of, but yeah, black and white movies. Well, we'll talk a little bit more when we we finish. We'll do a wrap up here and we talk a little bit more. But uh, what's your number one on your list? Uh, my number one. I didn't know about this movie until four days ago. Wow, and it's, it was and my favorite one. one on the list. That's awesome for sure. It's called The Stranger, and I had never heard of. It. I looked it up and I saw the cast. And I was like, well, this is definitely there's like one 27 would... movies called The Stranger. <laughs> Interesting. I don't wonder if any of them are even remakes. Or oh, it's maybe just not. Overlap. Who was the big star in this? Um, so the big star in this was Orson Welles. Oh, nice. It's Orson Welles movie. Yeah, he directed it. I and I don't I like know him many. as an actor. I man. love I love Orson Welles and. You don't see, and Edward G. Later, Edward, uh, G. Edward G. Robinson. Robinson. Yep, yep. I know later in his career, uh, Orson Welles had done other people's movies for for a while. There, he was only starring in his own movies. You think Citizen Kane is obviously the big one everyone thinks of when they think Orson Welles. Loretta yeah. Young. Loretta Young. Yeah. Let me I see what else. Here. This is 1946, so it's probably the earliest movie on my list. Yeah, and I had 41. So 1941 is the earliest, earliest we've done. But, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about The Stranger, because I don't know shit about it. So, I'm just trying to see what this one Loretta Young does sound like a famous name there. Here's her picture. Yep, she looks like all the other other actresses at that time. (laughs) Here, I'll look up uh, the cast while you're doing that. So, the very beginning, um, Edward G. Robinson, he plays a a, a government agent. uh, Not a mobster? No. Good job, Edward G. and, And what happened is they had... They had... It was right after Nazi Germany, and all the Germans was escaping underground, oh, nice. trying, and they had caught somebody. And their what they wanted to do is they wanted to release him because they know he would take them to another bigger Nazi that had already gotten into the United States. Huh. So they basically were like, "Okay, we're going to track this guy, let him come into the country under false pretenses, mm-hmm. and then so snatch him." Yeah, then snatch him. So they track him. They chase him down to this little town in Connecticut and uh, he runs into it's little like one like a little diner mm-hmm. like a church and not much else so uh, Edward J. Robinson is still following him he goes into the general store and he gets a name and he goes to the house and he knocks on the door He'd, he had a fake he had the fake name the guy was hiding under mm-hmm. so he knocks on the door and that girl uh, what's her name Loretta Young Loretta Young answers and she's like Hello, and he's like, 
is so-and-so here? And she's like, no. Does he live here? Yes. And he just comes inside. <laughs> and so he's like waiting and waiting. And she's like, well, we're getting married today. And he's like, really? He's like, well, which way does he walk from? So he, <laughs> so he runs out, leaving her kind of what the hell is going on. He never yeah. said anything. So um, he meets up with Orson Welles. Hmm. And this is some of the best acting. He was telling Orson Welles like oh it's so good to see you I'm reformed you can be reformed and we can we can and so he's walking along with him and you can tell Orson Welles was, was going to kill him yeah right away <laughs> and every time he's the guys just chatter chatter and then Orson Welles like yep yeah, uh-huh yep oh yeah mhm yep and he's and he did such that scene right there he did such a great job finally he strangles and kills the guy mm-hmm. barely hides the body in time for cuz he's a teacher at the school at the university there so the kids run by, and he had just buried the body. He runs home and gets married. <laughs> and so Edward G. Robinson, and I missed a part, um, the guy that Edward G. Robinson was chasing him knocked him out. And so before the guy choked him out, he said, there was a guy that followed me here, but I killed him. And so, but you find out he didn't get killed. Hmm. He just got knocked on the head. So now Edward J. Robinson pretends that he's there as an art antique dealer mm-hmm. just so he can case the town because yeah. he doesn't know who the guy is. Gotcha. Basically, he gets some of the citizens. He's like, who are the people that have just been here for the last year? Yeah. In these small towns, I guess that would be. Tiny town. Yeah. He's like, who is not from here? Yeah. So he makes a list and he basically goes through the list. So Orson Welles, he's playing a, I don't he's know. playing a Nazi that's okay. hiding that's in hiding. Connecticut. Man, this is so current right now. I don't know if you know why, how current this is because of the new series on Amazon Prime. I'll tell you a little bit after. Oh, The Hunters. Here. The Hunters, yeah. yeah. I've already watched the first I've three episodes. But. but yeah, so he's, so basically he's teaching at the class and everybody loves him. He's marrying the mm-hmm. Senate, uh, Supreme Court Justice's daughter. Like, <laughs> oh, man. they get married and, and uh, so basically Edward G. Robinson comes in and, and is just being super inquisitive. Yeah. Finally comes out to the brother, her brother, mm-hmm. what he's doing there. And he's like, you got to help me see if he's not him. That's fine. I'll go. Yeah. But if it's but him, if it's your, your sister just married, married a Nazi, a Nazi that, <laughs> that's killed, you know, yeah. thousands, of people, tens yeah. of thousands yeah. of people. And uh, was he all for it? The brother? Yeah, yeah, he was all for it. So there's lots of like his uh, Orson Welles demeanor as a husband changes, mm. which makes her because the wife was sticking up for him. Yeah. Because. She was going to tell Edward J. Robinson, hey, this w- that weird stranger came to my house. Mm-hmm. Like, that would tie the guy that Edward J. Robinson was following came to her house, yeah. and she saw him. Yeah. But she's, like, telling Orson Welles, I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him anything. <laughs> so Orson Welles, he's, he's like, you didn't tell him anything? And he's like, yeah. She, he's like, oh, okay. So the next day, Orson Welles goes to the – he's working on the clock tower, mm-hmm. and there's, like, a 100-foot ladder going up to, mm-hmm. the, to the inner part of the steeple. And he goes up and he saws a couple of the rungs oh. and then sticks them back kind of loosely. Mm. And then goes, he, he wrote himself a note on establishing a timeline. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the place, checkers with the guy at the general store mm. to, and meets a couple of the townsfolk and has a conversation outside of what he would have normally done, just so people can say, no, we saw him over there. He calls his wife and he says, I need you to meet me at the <laughs> clock tower. Uh. So... The, the lady's like, okay, I'll come. So before she comes, the 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 the, uh, the housekeeper is kind of in on it too from the brother. Mm-hmm. So he uh, she just like tries to stop her from going yeah. because she's supposed to not take her eye because they're worried 
that he's going to kill her if it is him, which is exactly what he was going to do. <laughs> so Edward G. Robinson and her brother go over to the clock tower and go to the top. Mm-hmm. And the rung falls, and he barely is like doing that. One of the first stunts oh, yeah. ever. I Who's mean, this, sure Edward G or the other Edward G, yeah. but his stuntman, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you saying Edward G? I don't think he hung from this. This is a scary ladder, man. Yeah, like, yeah. I wouldn't have climbed this. This is like a <laughs> hundred rungs, and it was one of those, it was dead straight up. Yeah. Like, there's no leaning against the ladder. It was just yeah. dead straight up. So he was going to kill his wife. Oh, God, man. <laughs> and um, so she, he comes back home, and she's there, and he's like, he had thought she already went and died. He yeah. was gonna, he was gonna be the grieving husband when they came <laughs> to tell him. And she, he walks in and she's there, and he, she's like, "Why?" And she kind of puts it together that he was yeah. gonna kill her. So he takes off and he goes and hides in the clock tower. And this is where the end comes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had fixed the clock tower. It was kind of a crazy one. It was, um, I mean, it was. It had a big steeple, but it had like a. Tr- a what are they? Tracks? Yeah. Where these figurines came in and out of the oh, church. And they had these medieval like swords sticking okay. straight up. So it's on a track with the sword. Like, oh, you know this. what's going to happen and here. I was like, yeah, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> so the wife climbs the stairs again, gets up. She's like talking to the husband. And he's like, she's like, you can't get away with this. And he's like, I am. I'm going to throw you off here. Like, he was a bastard. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but you then, don't get to see him play but that. But then Edward uh, J. Robinson was hiding in the shadows and heard everything, and he came out, and uh, they wrestle. They drop the gun. The wife picks the gun up and fires, like, a bunch of shots, shoots Orson Welles in the shoulder, mm. who stumbles out onto the deck outside mm. of the thing. And That's obviously right, yeah. the, the little <laughs> thing with the knife comes and just impales just him. impales him, man. Yeah. That's pretty he, vicious for a 1940s flick yeah, too, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I've never, I didn't expect that. You should watch, uh, it. watch it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely great. I'll definitely add it to my list of uh, black and Thousands whites. of movies you have <laughs> yeah. to watch. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, like I said, the, the Hunters is huge right now, man. And it's good. It's They're all available, but I can tell that I'm probably more in it than my wife's, but I'm still playing it like once a night, one episode a night. It's really great. The The opening scene of the first episode is so good. Uh, it's uh, it's an HBO uh, movie? No, it's uh, Amazon Prime. Amazon it's like their Prime. big show. It's like uh, 10 episodes like 45 minutes each or something but i'll tell you what happens at the opening episode and it kind of sets it all up so dylan baker you know the guy from happiness the yep. uh, the creepy guy that yeah. you can't think of anything else he's he's at like a family barbecue and he's got all his family there's three kids in the pool his wife's there his uh, I, I don't know a couple other friends and this other friend is showing up with his wife and the wife drops her drink when she sees him and points at him, like, and then stop speaking in, uh, uh, in German. Uh, German, or uh, she was just, she was a Jewish girl that just recognized somebody that had been in hiding forever. And what then, year is uh, this? In the sixties, seventies. Uh, it's the 70s. So wow. he, he had so been was, in this life for a while until like she, she identifies him. She's freaking out. No one can contain her. They're trying to calm her down. And he's looking around and saying, what the hell is going on here? I don't you know. I don't know who this that face girl, of somebody, I don't though. know who this girl is. And then all of a sudden, Dylan Baker, he's like, ah, fuck it. And he reaches under uh, the grill and pulls out a gun and shoots every single person, including the little kids in the, uh, in the pool. <laughs> really? And, and he's pissed off. He's like, and he gets on the phone. He's like, yeah, my cover's been blown. I, I've been 
for 20 fucking years I've been waiting I've been living this family and having sex with this cow and doing this and everything and he, his accent came right back to like this thick ass German accent but he went cold all of a sudden and killed everyone That's crazy. And, it, and then that kind of brings us into the, the title cards of, right? of the hunters yeah and every episode starts with something really fucked up like in the prison camp where you get to see what this they horrible German story stuff. Uh, they have like one one episode started with a German having like naked Jewish people in this life-size like chess game and they were completely naked and he was oh. moving them in the chess pieces and everything and when they got uh, when their pieces got knocked out he would just shoot them in the head and it was just crazy so and uh, I don't know if it's I heard been, some, these I are based heard, on I real I, stories they are or, based on real yeah, stories I think yeah but I think I heard some backlash to that scene on that. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's it's difficult. There's a lot of good stuff in it. I, but I've, I mean, it's not from Jewish people. Great cast: Car- Carol Kane, uh, Saul Rubinick, uh, Al Pacino. Every time Al Pacino's on screen, though, I have to subtitle it. He he speaks in such a like thick, thick Jewish accent that he's super hard to hear. Really? And like, so I I just have been watching it with subtitles on it, so huh. I don't miss anything he says. But it's really good so far. All right, my last movie here, going back to 1948 here. And uh, apparently this was a good year. You had two movies from 48. Uh, this was one of, has always been one of my favorite movies. It's also uh, somewhat of a Western, I'd say, but not like tri- uh, one of the traditional Westerns. And this is the great Humphrey Bogart. It's great we get to finish with him in, in what I think is the best movie he ever did. And he got, uh, he should have won the award for this. And this was directed by the great uh, uh, John Huston, who eventually, John Huston was uh, John Huston was the guy as an actor. He was in the Chinatown. Mm-hmm. He was the one that was like the creepy dad who was like sleeping with the sister and mm-hmm. the, uh, and had the kid out of wedlock or whatever it was. Uh, and this is the great treasure of the Sea Madre, yeah. nineteen forty-eight. And you said you hadn't seen this, right? I don't think I so. I thought you had. Uh, I sw- I'm sure it was on growing up. Yeah. It was really, really good, and they, they actually, and I'll, I'll mention this more when I'm done talking about it, but they, they actually did a great Looney Tunes version of this kind of thing, and it comes on the special edition Blu-ray. You can watch, actually, the uh, the Looney Tunes cartoon for it. It's really good. It's almost like so, South Park picked up this generation's movies making yeah, fun of where the true. Looney Tunes, because the Looney Tunes did a lot of that oh, stuff, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, it really did. Uh, so what's going on is you got the Humphrey Bogart character, and he's like he's down in Mexico, the Sierra Madre. I guess that's where it is. Is it is it Mexico? Yeah, and uh, he's like begging on the street. He's like, uh, "Hey, can you spare a uh, spare a chain for an American uh, uh, abroad?" And then uh, one guy gives him a coin. That was uh, he ends up hitting the same guy like three times he's like you hit me twice this morning and once this afternoon here i'll give you an extra one don't come after me again so he ends up uh getting enough money where he can go have a drink and he has, ends up having a drink with uh, this other guy that he met and he's kind of down in his dumps too and they're looking for work and this one guy comes in and he's like hey if you guys are looking for work he says I, i've got work for you uh you'll come out you'll work for me i'll pay you a good wage and everything and uh they do it they go out and they do some hard labor work with this guy and then when they get back to town you know he's like oh uh Meet me at the uh, um, meet me at the bar, and I'll I'll settle up with you guys. I'll give you your money, and uh, that guy dipped. <laughs> so these guys have just worked their asses off in the and bar, they didn't get paid? and at the bar they're like they were 
one of the other guys, patrons, the bar, he says, who are you waiting for? And they were like, explain who it is. He says, yeah, that guy's got kind of a rep for uh, for getting saps to work for him and then uh, not paying him. And they were like, what the fuck? Uh, I'd have to go find this. So, yeah, they, they end up slumming it for a couple days. And then that guy shows up, like, just walking the streets and everything. And they side right next to him. And he says, you're coming with us right now. And they go into the bar with him. And they end up kicking the shit out of him. And uh, that he, the guy tries to fight. He breaks a bottle over Humphrey Bogart's head. And they try to get away. They have this great kind of like wrestling match inside the bar and they like literally take the money from them that the exact money they were owed and everything and then they're living in a uh, kind of halfway house and they meet this old guy who's actually walter houston the father of john houston he put his own dad in the movie he, and he was the one that actually won the academy award for i bet this. he didn't last very long uh, because that. basically you've got three main characters in this movie you've got uh, humphrey bogart the young dude that is hanging out with him that is also down on his luck and then walter houston the father and walter Walter Houston has some uh, knowledge about uh, panning for gold in the mountains. Curly gold? Uh, yeah, just like Curly's gold. <laughs> so a lot harder to get. So, uh, and the and they said, we can go up. He says, I got this amount of money and I got that amount of money. Oh, and I skipped an important part. Apparently, at the very beginning of the movie, uh, this little Mexican kid keeps trying to get uh, Humphrey Bogart to buy like a raffle ticket. And the kid is like resilient. He won't leave. Uh uh, Humphrey Bogart alone to the point where Humphrey Bogart throws a drink in his face and the little kid's kid, face yeah little kid like an 8 year old like and, alcoholic drink and the kid still doesn't give up and he's like and Humphrey Bogart's like fine I'll buy your ticket he says now get lost so when they're talking to the old guy about what they could do the kid comes up to him he says oh my god senor he says you won he says I've been looking for you for days and he won like a shitload of money so they had enough to buy the pack mules to buy the tools and everything and, that's convenient and from that point <laughs> they're up they're going up in the mountains and the big thing up in the mountains you gotta worry about is the banditos lots of banditos out there that are just will kill you and rob you and uh and there's a lot of moments in the movie that comes across but for the next like half hour <laughs> 40 minutes Trump was watching when he yeah, I know. he's like bad hombres bad hombres so for the next like 40 minutes of the movie we get to see them up there and they're panning for gold and he thinks at first they think they're looking for like rocks and everything they don't realize it's like sand yeah it's almost. dust it's like dust, dust. Yeah. and uh once they hit it i mean they're are so happy and they're like best friends and everything and uh, one of the best versions of this movie that's been parodied over the years was that two-part episode of Mary with children where they go to buy the mine and they get all crazy and start sweating when they see the gold and everything <sighs> so like basically what happened in this movie is they get gold fever and, and double crossing each other it infects humphrey bogart big time like way more than the other guys the other guys are a little kind of walter houston's never kind of off key he's like i'm old you know i'm gonna this is my last score hopefully i'll make enough money and i'll come down and i live my rest of my life out here you guys got the rest of your life to live i understand how you want to get, get more and more but at some point they were getting so much they were like how long do we wait and he says we got like what is 1948 they have like fifty sixty thousand dollars each worth of gold uh already and they were like i've got enough the old guys like i got enough and uh, and humphrey bogart's like i'd like to stay to get at least another twenty thousand and everything he's got big dreams so when stuff starts getting uh rocked a little bit is uh Humphrey Bogart is getting suspicious. People are leaving the campsite, and he's afraid. And they were like, we're not touching your share, because they had that discussion. Should we divvy it up at the end, or we should divvy up? Uh, and they probably should have just divvied up at the end, because once they divvied up between each other, they were always, or uh, Humphrey Bogart, at least, was constantly worried about going to the bathroom and leaving his stash or something like that. And uh, at one point, the young guy was 
off to the side and there was this huge rock and he had his gun out and he was about to tip the rock over and uh Humphrey Bogart's like yeah you think you got away with it you think you found my stash and he was like is that what that is he's like like you didn't know and he's like he's like there's a Gila monster under there that's what I was gonna go under there and kill he says yeah that's a that's a good lie he says yeah stick your hand under there stick your hand under there and see what you what you get and Walter Hill uh, Houston at this point's there and he's like he's talking uh, the young guy's talking to Walter Houston he says I hear that they they bite and they won't let go right and he says you got to cut their heads off and everything and uh he's like go ahead he said put throw that rock over and stick your hand under there and then he won't do it and they pulls the rock and sure as shit humphrey bogart's money there but the huge gila monster laying across it and everything he's like i'm not <laughs> gonna, my guardian he's like, i'm monster. not gonna steal your money and then when they're uh when they're at the uh, campfire that night no one wants to go to sleep and looking at the other guys and then the, all of a sudden this random guy shows up and they were like super concerned with this random guy. And he was, uh, they try to play it off. Like they're not looking for gold. We're hunting up <laughs> here and everything. And the guy's questioning it and everything. He's like, he's like, well, it's a free country, you know? So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go up here. I said, you've got your best bet is just to cut. You guys could kill me or you could make me a partner. I won't take any of the money that you've already collected. I can just take a, a fourth of what we collect from here on out. And, uh, Right when they're having this discussion, the uh, the banditos show up, and they were like, "Oh well, shit! Now we need this guy." And they like they all take different uh, areas, and they're shooting at the banditos, and the banditos end up fleeing into the woods. And they realize that uh, the new guy just got shot during the firefight, so he's gone, and they have no nothing they can do for him. Uh, And then there's a scene where Walter Houston gets separated. Uh, this little kid has uh, a tribe kind of shows up and says they need uh, need someone's help. He was like choking or something. And Walter Houston goes and I, like you you I, saw that, I came scene in that scene where the kid had like too much air or water in his lungs and he pumps it out and then he throws up and they think he's like a medicine man and everything and uh, they want him to stay and he was like yeah maybe I will stay with him and they were like well we'll, we'll look out for your uh, cannibals, your, we'll look out you? for your stash <laughs> and he he kind of believes the younger guy the younger guy is kind of a straight arrow through the whole movie. Uh, Really, the only one who really lost it was Humphrey Bogart. Uh, the other guys had some inklings that something wasn't right or something shady, but Humphrey Bogart's the one who completely went nuts. So once they left, the old guy left, he was like the one guy that was keeping everything kind of copacetic in the group. Humphrey Bogart and this guy, and at some point, uh, Humphrey Bogart just kills him, just kills the guy because he thinks he's after him. He's like, And he's like sweating and he's talking to himself. You think you're going to get one over me, are you? You're not going to get one over me? He's I'm not crazy. And <laughs> then he has to travel with all this gold on the way back and he gets to the edge of the city and the banditos are like right there and they were like, don't we know you from someplace? And they literally, they just beat him to death at the edge of the city. And then... Uh, and then they take the, uh, the they don't know about what's on the thing. They think that they're just going to steal his mules. So they dump all the gold on the ground. They get into town. The police know that they're banditos and that they stole from someone. So they arrest him and end up firing squad him. So when Walter Houston, the young guy, end up showing up in town and saying, hey, is Humphrey Bogart showing up? Uh, he's like, oh, these guys killed him and everything. And it's like, where's our stuff? So they went off to the side and they see all the empty bags blowing in the wind. All the gold is like gone back to the, like the earth. And they just start laughing their asses off and everything. And I I think I would have been crying more, but (laughs) they're laughing and they were like, uh, and just Humphrey Bogart's kind of arc from this like down and out guy to this super excited guy that we're rich. I'm taking care of for the rest of my life to this maniacal maniac who turns into a murder and just gets 
beaten to death uh, for what he hasn't even been cashed in yet. It's such oh, a great, fantastic movie, man. And it really it, it went on to win a bunch of awards. Obviously, John Huston won uh, and got his father the Academy Award for it, so it was really great. That For me, that was my favorite Humphrey Bogart movie, but he's got a lot of really good ones out there. Gold Fever. Gold Fever, It reminds man. me of, um, speaking of black and white Gold Fever movies yeah. or shows, the... Um, what was the Twilight Zone? Yeah, oh yeah. Did you? There was there was one where these three bandits steal a bunch of gold, mm-hmm. and 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 one of them was like a super genius. He built these cryo tubes, mm-hmm. and they were gonna sit in the cave for a hundred years, <laughs> and come out of the cryo tube, yeah. and the gold would be worth a lot more, <laughs> and they would be the crime would be overlooked. Yeah. At this point, so when they come to a hundred years later. A stalagmite had killed one of the guys, so now there was only, now they split it two ways, yeah. and they're like back and forth. They didn't trust each other, and finally one of the guys kills the other guy, steals all his gold. He was running through this desert, and he gets he he gets discovered by people in this this like futuristic people uh-huh. because and so they went. She went over to him, and he's like, "I'll give you this gold if you just help me," and he dies. And she walks back over to the to the other guy, and she's like. She's like, he tried to give me this. Like, it's worth something anymore. <laughs> like, gold was so plentiful. Like, it wasn't worth anything. And you look back, they were fighting the whole time for worthless For worthless shit. Go- That's worthless awesome, shit. man. Some of those old black oh. and white fucking Twilight Zones are really good. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, so this, this is like a small, I mean, we could easily do another one of these when Justin's like out of town or something like that because there's so many black and white films that we could have put on. We didn't this even we do didn't. a single Abbott and Costello one. Yeah, Abbott and Costello, Bob <laughs> Hope, and uh Or Bing one Crosby. of my favorite horror movies ever, The Creature of the Black Lagoon. Creature of the Black Lagoon. That, yeah, we could easily do any of the Universal Monster movies. So the, there's definitely room to grow for a part two of this episode. Is Erica uh, Mos- uh, Universal Monster movie <laughs> oh, fan? He's just a tad. No, I thought <laughs> no, he was. No, he's upset. Like, you guys should almost yeah. do that. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. He could do it. We could do a Universal Horror versus Hammer Horror movies because he loves the Hammer Horror films. And I Hammer got Horror? Hammer Horror films. They're really good. They're like the British versions of the Universal Horror movies. They took literally took the same characters. Where Christopher Hammer time. Yeah, Christopher Lee played the mummy and oh, then he played nice. the Dracula. Christopher Lee was famous for playing Christopher those Christopher Lee's Dracula. Movies. I always, I always uh, remember. Yeah, his Dracula. Horror of Dracula was his Dracula. That's the one with... Uh, uh, Grand Moff Talkin played uh, the kind of uh, what do you call it? Um, they what's the the, the guy that get the, the guy that gets some stuff during the day? <laughs> yeah, no, the doctor that's fi- Van Helsing. Yeah, Van Helsing. He plays Van okay, Helsing. Van yeah. Helsing. <laughs> so we could definitely do that. But yeah, that'll be for, for this week. The, next week we got a really good week. We're going to be celebrating Justin's we? birthday. We're going to do a wild card episode. Wild card, bitches! So it's going to be anything we want. I've you already got- added his. Go back and get his line. Oh, where am I going to find that from? From Wildcard. <laughs> from wild All you have to do is bitches. go back and look at the Wildcard yeah, episode. E- easiest thing in the world. <laughs> easiest thing in the world. Uh, yeah, so we're going to. I've already watched like two of my uh, my Wildcard movies, and I've got like one open spot that I can just throw in at the end and everything. I, mean, I love the Wildcards because it just doesn't matter what genre it is, anything that fits yeah. that we haven't talked about yeah. a whole lot. I just it's go really back. Cool. What, I, what haven't I talked about? What do I want to talk about? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool, man. Uh, and then after that, we're going to do... So, don't pick a Zemeckis movie <laughs> on your wildcard list because the week after that, we're going to be doing Robert Zemeckis oh, movies. I was going to do all three. I was going to do all three of those Back to the Future movies, man. <laughs> and I have one of the Zemeckis movies that I haven't watched yet. I got it to the house, so when really? I watch it, I'll, I'll let you... Is that older one? It's the, the Walk, the one with the uh, the the guy who put oh, yeah, yeah, between yeah, yeah, the yeah. skyscrapers, I've, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I, I saw... Um, 
Man on yeah, a Wire. Yeah, there's, there's a big documentary about it. Yeah, that's the documentary, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. Yeah, and I and there's only one other, I think, one other um, Robert Zemeckis movie that I've surprisingly have not seen that I would like to watch before we do it, and that's the Contact. I haven't seen it, uh, but all his other movies, some really great ones. As you pull up his stuff, a lot of '80s flicks, a lot of great '90s flicks. Uh, you think Flight and another great uh, Zemeckis movie, Castaway. Some really good stuff. So that'll be a cool one. And then after that, I think, I'm not sure, don't hold me to it, but I think we're doing kid performances, like great performances by kids in uh, flicks, and that could go, obviously, over any decade. <laughs> children's Corner. Yeah, Children's Corner, if you if you like those kids from it, go for it. <laughs> the black uh, and white, uh, what was the, the one when they killed each other on an island? Oh, the Lord of the Rings, uh, Lord, Lord of the, of the Flies. Flies. Yeah, there's a there's, that's another one that's got like three or four yeah. incantations of. I like the uh, the British kind of uh, one that was done in like the '86 or '87. Really oh, good. Hit the fat kid over there. Oh yeah, the yeah. Rock. Grabbed his glasses, man. They need those glasses. That was picky. Yeah, it was a good book too. So yeah, don't ruin it. You can you can use it for your wild card if you like. All right. <laughs> but uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can uh, check us out on Facebook, Fascinate with Films. You can also leave us a like or a comment on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you want to shoot us an email, you can reach us at fascinatewithfilms at gmail dot com. So yeah, yeah, that'll be good until the wild card. So until then, see ya. Bye. One Rocco more or less isn't worth dying for.